Welcome everyone to Comics from the Multiverse episode 260. I am Peter and joining me on this voyage through the multiverse is Matt. Yeah, yeah, I'm a variant for sure. This is how this is going. Don't say variant in 2021, Matt. <laughs> yeah, like, not, not in the, the, the CDC sense. Yes, but I just, you know, it's yeah. it up. How untimely. How untimely. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I had to keep throwing the word variant around in that. I mean, the show wasn't that great anyway, uh, but. I liked it a lot. Well, well you know. Yeah, let's yeah, not get yeah. into the, the pros and cons of, of, of Loki. No, but um, that Spider Man trailer, though. Uh, I'm sure you're excited. Uh, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, how do you, outside of Evil Dead, how do you feel about uh, Sam Raimi? Outside of Evil Dead? That's a very yeah. important distinction, because it's a very yes, different feeling to, to Evil Dead. Yes, yes I know. Uh, outside of Evil Dead, I, account, I came to the conclusion that Sam Raimi is really, really, really not for me. <laughs> gotcha. Uh... I, I watching back his Spider-Man films again a couple of years ago I was like you know yeah. what these aren't very good even two which is the best of the three I will concede because uh, of the action in it is still super cheesy and doesn't work for me at all um, I, I there's a lot of things about those movies I really do not like and then me and Connor watched his The Gift uh, which I'm saying his The Gift because there's like five films called The Gift at this yeah. point uh, and that movie's really bad uh so yeah, I I I remember like in Dark. Drag me to hell. Drag me to hell was fun. Nah, I don't like Dark. They drag me to hell. Uh, yeah. I do, I do remember liking Dark Man when I was younger, but I've not seen it in a long time, so I don't know if it'll hold up. Is that the prequel to Die Dark Man Die? Technically, yes, yes. <laughs> die but if I if I remember correctly, Die Without Run Die was the third Dark Man yes. movie. If I recall. I just remember that from having a black box when I was younger, and it'd be on the pay per view channels. You know, waiting for the next thing to start, and th- that trailer would come up a lot. Die, Dark Man, die! And I was like, I'm never watching this movie. <laughs> even ten year old me is like, nah. This is a DC Comics podcast. We get together, it we've is, read some it, DC it Comics. <laughs> and what's funny is, is Raimi's not even directing Spider Man. It's just the influence uh, between Doctor Strange two. And all the Raimi stuff that popped up in that. I had to pick Pete a little bit, being the resident horror guy. Um, over that. You know I, what it actually his most horrific movie is? Mm-hmm. Oz the Great and Powerful. Oh, that's terrible. I was just, I was yeah. just, tra- like, that's objectively trash, I think, that movie, yeah, though. It's not, not even, good. it's not even like a my taste thing. That's just a bad movie. I, yeah, I, I mean, I'll give, I'll give them credit. They have at least, like, between, one division and then Loki and now seemingly Spider-Man 3 like all of these things do seem to be building to whatever Doctor Strange mm-hmm. 2 is going to be because they're all multiverse related they're all dealing with that, mm-hmm. that sort of shenanigans so even though I don't necessarily think a lot of it so far has been that good <laughs> at least from a planning perspective I can't deny that there's uh, some thought went into it so so, so I started with all that just to say that you know we are a DC podcast however mm-hmm. Um, the Marvel movies are a bit more ubiquitous, especially for us. And um, someone that was working on The Flash had the temerity 
to say that a, a movie about multiversal shenanigans featuring many Batman and Flashes, presumably, is not a superhero movie. And it just makes me want to kick things. And is is the dichotomy why I enjoy comics so much? It seems to be not what they're adapting to these films, and it's just very frustrating. I feel... I don't know. I... I... I could see there being a different way to take that comment, depending on what he actually means. And if he means the alternative take, <laughs> then possibly mm-hmm. I can get behind what he's saying. It's not so much that it's like, oh, it's not a superhero movie and that it's not adapting the superhero source material. It's not a superhero movie and that it's not following the now very tired tropes of what superhero movies are. So if it was more the l- that than just we're not adapting it, properly then i could get on board but it felt more it's not none of that nerd shit it's very serious and it you know and it's just like guys look at your source material the multiverse is fun right now look at infinite frontier like talk talk to josh williamson talk to to you know grant morrison it it can be fun and you guys are making it sound like it's not fun because, you know, I, I do think superhero movies could use a bit of a shake-up in the sense that there's none that I'm... I would say I'm excited for any right now. Like, there's some that I know I'll end up liking, that'll end up being mm-hmm. good. But there's none that I'm, like... Like, my, my days of being, like, super hyped for a superhero movie feel long gone at this point. You know, I'm kind of hyped for Shang-Chi, but that's just because it feels different. Because it doesn't feel like it's tying into anything. Hmm. Kind of like that Black Panther vibe, which I know Black Panther showed up in Civil War. But I'm kind of excited because it also looks like what I thought Iron Fist was going to be. Uh, and so I'm kind of excited to see that take on, you know, kung fu, martial arts kind of action. But I wouldn't say I'm like stoked for it, you know. But you're right. I'm trying to think. Like I'm excited for Spider-Man. But like I'm not like edge of my seat. No, I, I would say I would even say I'm excited. And I really like the first, like I like Homecoming a lot. Because um, I, I finally watched Suicide Squad uh, yeah. at the oh. weekend, and it was a good movie. It was, it was just fun. It was, it was likable characters. It was it was humorous. The action was generally pretty good. It was a good James Gunn movie. But and while I did nerd out a little bit for the main villain, just because it's like mm-hmm. big and ridiculous and something I like from DC yeah, Comics. Was- for the for the most part, though, my enjoyment of that movie did not come from it being an adaptation of DC characters. It came from just being a fun James Gunn movie. <laughs> yeah. That's that's right, and a lot of people are going out of their way to be like, "Oh my god!" It's, it's like, yeah, no, it's it's good, guys. But like, it's it's a James Gunn. We know he can do this. Like, this is it's weird. It's almost like with with like Spielberg. Not that him and Gunn are at the same level, but like when something comes out and it's coherent and it's decent, you're just like, yeah, that, that was a good movie. Um, I I kind of expect more when it comes to DC, and I don't know why, but but I end up doing it, and it's. You know, Shazam is still sitting up there, and and ain't nobody touching it. Uh, I think Suicide Squad's a better. I think Suicide Squad's a better movie. It's a better put together movie from a technical mm-hmm. standpoint. Um, but did you enjoy Shazam more? I don't know. I'd, I'd have to revisit really? it and make a choice because I think because yeah, like, obviously the heart of Shazam is something that's uh-huh. more missing in movies. So which is why I think mm-hmm. we appreciate it. But I do mm-hmm. think the Suicide Squad was a better put together movie and really well constructed, and you know all, all of the other nitty gritty kind of things. 
Uh, it's definitely way better than Birds of Prey, though. I'm just going to put that out there right now. See, I like I like Birds of Prey more. Harley so, Quinn. But we've been Mar- this. Margot we've been Robbie's this. Harley Quinn was finally in a good movie. It's shocking <laughs> to see. Shocking. She's real good. I I've come. I've done a complete 180 on Harley. It's funny if you. I'm sure if we go back to old episodes, I'm just talking so much shit about the character, and between, <laughs> between birds and certain stories and like Harleen, the Birds of Prey movie, the cartoon, Suicide Squad. I wouldn't say I'm a Harley fan, but I definitely get it. Like in the right hands, it's a character that really works well, um, and it feels like she's not being just shoved into everything almost you know five six years ago um i mean that's how she ended up in the suicide squad and now she almost seems like she has to be a part of the suicide squad it's weird like when you see her not in there well it's funny because the comics have let her go from that but uh movies and other media are clinging to it because they feel like that's the star that's the one they can sell a suicide squad on yeah uh which is yeah which which is is fine but it's kind of like well She's very safe. Like, as far as Suicide Squad yeah. characters go, she's a very safe character because... Yeah, I mean, I think even Tom Taylor kind of joked about that on his run. It was kind of like, yeah, everyone, no one's safe but Harley. Yes, Har- Harley's that. the one. Like, I don't want to... Yeah. They'll, they'll let me kill, but I can't kill Harley. Yeah. No. Um, that, you know, same sticking with Suicide Squad, uh, the Peacemaker show, um, how excited are you for that with, with Cena's tour de force? As I would say I'm like I, I I'm I will check it out. I'm I I'm assuming I will enjoy it. Uh, but I wouldn't again. I wouldn't say I'm like super pumped. I wouldn't say I'm like hyped. No, I went from not caring about it whatsoever. I'm like, oh, that's cool. John Cena's adapting. Like his character is gonna have a TV show, and it's show ran by James Gunn. That's that's cool. To oh, I think I'm gonna check this out weekly, which I don't. Heels is the only thing I'm watching weekly right now, besides wrestling, you know, because it's kind of the moment. But I don't really watch weekly TV too much anymore. So I think I would for Peacemaker just based off of his role in the movie and just to see what it's going to do. Because, um, yeah, I, I thought John Cena was was oddly fascinating as Peacemaker. So got some range there that was not displayed in Fast Night. Hmm. Um, or blockers, which is something else I saw him in. I know he's pretty good in blockers, as as you know. He was fine. I don't, I don't remember. Dad. Yeah, he's he's fine. But I did go to SummerSlam last weekend here in town, um, just on a whim. My my brother in law found cheap tickets, and during the main event that John Cena was in, I did try to get a Peacemaker chant going, and and nobody wanted to help me, so <laughs> that died on the vine. Well, I mean, the crowd at that point had probably sat through like four hours of crap wrestling, so they were all too dead and bored to... No, we, we, we had just come off of Edge in, in uh, Rollins, which was very good. Okay. Um, um, and yeah, if, yeah, it was it was quite the experience. That's why I don't watch WWE Weekly anymore. There's a good reason for that. Mm. It's so... mind-numbing, is what you try to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. And they don't have CM Punk. AEW CM Punk. That's all that matters at this point. <laughs> Until the G1 starts in October, then then when then we'll talk. Mm. But yeah. yeah. Well, the buzz is is that Danielson's uh, showing up at all out now. So 
Yeah. Uh, we'll we'll see. And I, see that it, goes. which is a week from from tomorrow, as we record, mm-hmm. and I will be at a concert because, of course, when when Newfound Glory announced a tour, the tour date for Las Vegas was was September fifth, and like a week later, they announced All Out was also September fifth. Um, so yeah. I'm not going to be able to watch live, and I'm a little bit disappointed, but... CM Punk's first match in seven and a half years, and you're not uh, watching live? No, but my wife did say, she goes, well, we'll just come home and watch it. I was like, honey, I don't really realize this is a four-hour show. <laughs> but uh, I'm not too happy about it, and I'm trying not to complain too much, because it is an embarrassment of, you know, oh, no, your favorite band's here. Oh, no, your favorite wrestler's wrestling his first match in seven years. Uh Go me. Mm. All right, you, you go to the concert, enjoy your mediocre music. Uh, I'm sure yeah. the show will be there to watch for later. <laughs> no, it will be. And I'm buying it beforehand, so it'll be ready to go by the time. Yeah, yeah. You know. Uh, no, I'll, I'll just stay off my phone because I'll be at a concert. It'll be fine. And I don't think Danielson's wrestling first night back. No, 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 no. no, no. You know. I, I would so. suspect they'll set him up for a match at the mm-hmm. Grand Slam show a couple of weeks later uh, yeah. at the tennis stadium. I feel like I'm hoping. I'm hoping to see American Dragon versus the Redeemer. That would be nice. Uh, maybe. Uh, that would be interesting though. If his first match when he shows up is against someone else who also came from. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, because I'm assuming he fought him before already. I don't. You know what? In my long time watching, I don't remember too many Rusev and and uh, Brian run-ins because mm. I felt they like were always on opposite shows. Because remember, Brian was missing for a good chunk. That's nice. Concussions. So. But Daniel Bryan is different than Brian Danielson. Like, I know to the person that doesn't know wrestling, I just flipped the names. But those are two uniquely different characters. Um, Almost like Miro and Rusev are are different. So I just, I would love to see that just from from a ring work standpoint, you know? Yeah, although I suspect that when he shows up, it'll be kind of a mixture of the two, just because there's no way the yeah. crowd's going to let him not have the yes chance. There's no way that's oh, going away. Of course not. I mean, even Punk kind of addressed that this week. So, you know, so fine. All right, hey. well, I actually even haven't run down what we're going to talk about in the show yet. Uh, oh, look at that. And I blame Matt for that. Uh, so that coming is- up on today's show... Uh, we're going to have discussions of Detective Comics 1042, Action Comics 1034, Superman Son of Kal-El issue 2, Checkmate issue 3, Robin issue 5, and Superman 78 issue 1. That's what's coming up on the show. But we do have a little bit of news, and we have everyone's favorite segment to kick things off. The Comicsology Top 10, at the time of recording. <laughs> so, uh... Connor would be very happy with what's number one uh, right now because oh, it boy. is Die issue 19 uh, which I believe okay. is the penultimate issue because they're doing the whole thing where it's 20 issues for a D20. Uh, okay. Uh, I, I feel like Connor told me that at some point so I, th- I think issue 20 is the last one. So Did you stay up to date with Die? Because I know you guys are reading that. Uh, no, no, I, I opted out, and it wasn't even just that I fell yeah. behind. I I made the choice because like I, I wasn't feeling the issue like three or four, whatever it was, and I gotcha. I opted out. So uh, the art was very nice. Don't get me wrong, um, mm-hmm. but I'm just not a a McKelvey and Gillen 
It wasn't McKelvey, yeah. sorry, on that, but uh, I'm just not a Gellin guy. Yeah. Anyway, I have found Gellin real hit or miss. Um, like Connor told me the they're young Avengers because I was trying to read all the Kate stuff that I can, and mm. it was it was my least favorite of the Kate stuff just because that mm. his take on the team was just different. Oh yeah, if, if uh, Connor could buy a Gellin like gel that he could rub all over his body and just feel the gillin on him. I'm sure he would, the sick bastard. Uh, number two is Star Wars Darth Vader, issue 15. Uh, mm-hmm. And now we get to our first DC book at the top 10 right now. Uh, would you care to hazard a guess? Tech. Detective Comics. It is Detective Comics. Yeah. We're learning. We're learning to always guess whatever the Big Batman book is first. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then we have Amazing Spider-Man 72 at number four. And then Thor 16 at number five. Who's writing Thor these days anyway? It's, uh, it's what's his name? Venom, dude. Um, oh, Kate's. Kate's. Okay. Yeah, I, I fell behind on issue four, so I'm about a year behind. Uh, I, my shop uh, didn't get issue seven in. So I stopped there, and they're all backlogged in my file. And I, I have to pick them up, but I've heard it's good. Um, but they restored him to his traditional look, which, you know, uh, a, uh, Aaron a, ran him through the ringer. So It's always a bit um, weird like when a new writer has to reset to, you know, mm-hmm. classic. I don't know. Like Sometimes you appreciate it because you didn't like where it was going, but when you like the run that came before, it's always kind of like, Oh, well, we're just going to wipe away all that advancement, are we? Okay. Yeah, so, like, Thor is missing an arm because of, of Malekith during the War of the Realms and all this other stuff, and he was just real haggard from from that run, and he comes in and ends up being made a a, a herald of Galactus, like, with the power cosmic. So it reforms him into the more traditional Thor that we all know. And, like, I, at first I was against it, but as as you read it, you know, things start to fall into place. Mm. So, um, I mean, up through four issues, I was enjoying it, but then it was like, I got behind, kept him in my file. And then my shop didn't get issue seven in. And yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, number six is Superman, son of Kal-El issue two. So, uh, hey. Taylor Swift's book, not doing too bad. And uh, number seven is Robin issue five. Happy to see that there. We'll be mm-hmm. talking obviously more about that. I mean, as with all these, because they're all this week's books, but uh, and the news as well in a minute. Uh, mm-hmm. And then number eight is Action Comics one thousand thirty-four. So nice to see that being in there as well. Uh, number nine is Wolverine fifteen. Uh, ben Percy still writing that, I believe. And then number ten is actually Alien issue six, uh, which is funny because we were talking about that Thor stuff yeah. there and resetting yeah. things after a run. The the thought I had in my head was, uh, yes, the Alien three syndrome, f you, because yeah. we do what we want. Uh, yeah. Uh, so there you go. That's that. Uh, Superman seventy eight was number twelve, so not too far behind the top ten. Uh, and then Wonder Woman's a bit further down. Uh, which Matt's still behind on, which is why he's not talking about it this week. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotta get caught up. Yeah. It's been... They're, they're on my iPad, sitting there to read. I just, you know, prioritize Superman in action and uh, stuff, so... Yeah. And obviously Connor, uh, the filthy ginger, is not here. So he's not here mm-hmm. to carry the, the burden. So, there you go. That's the top ten. Nothing too extravagant. Mm-hmm. But it's nice to see, what, four DC books comfortably in that top yeah. ten? Um, yeah. I mean, I'm happy with that. Helps, 
helps that there's not a lot of Xbox right now too, because I feel those sell mm-hmm. pretty consistent in the top. So I mean, yeah, I mean, it breaks down as a five Marvel, four DC, and one indie. But uh, you know, like Wait. two of the Marvel are Star Wars and Alien, and that, and even though they're Marvel technically, but they're not. You know, they're Marvel published, but they're not Marvel Universe, so they, they still kind of feel separate. They feel like it, is, it feels more like four DC, three, three Marvel, two licensed books, and an indie. Yeah, is what it feels like. But yeah, uh, even though technically they own those things now, so they're not licensed in the same way. But you know what I mean. Uh, mm-hmm. So there you go. That's the, that's the top ten. Uh, we do have a couple of bits of news. One of it is quite big because we know mm-hmm. that Tynan, of course is leaving well dc in general uh but he's leaving batman specifically. mainstream comics yeah yeah uh and we got news this week of who's replacing tynan on batman and it is none other than someone else who have been sort of referring to as one of the architects of the overall oh. universe right now and that is joshua williamson and i have to say we'll get to it obviously when we talk about the book but i think this week's robin kind of comforted me a lot <laughs> as far as how he's going to treat the family so, yeah, so I'll save most of my thoughts for Robin. Yep. However, Williamson has such a command over the DC Universe that I understand why John selected him for Flash, right? Coming into Rebirth during that uh, WonderCon panel, he had said, you know, I, you know I'm going to leave Flash in good hands. I picked this guy. You know, I had known him from his indie work before, so I was pretty stoked. I had no idea at that time that he was going to be able to come in and tell stories, you know, that right in my wheelhouse. And so him taking over Batman, A is like, where, where's he going to have all this time? Cause like, this is Bendis like, uh, the amount of titles his name's on. Yeah. It's, uh, it may, it makes some amount of sense, especially when you can consider the infinite frontier will be done by the time this is starting up. Mm-hmm. And of course, uh, some of the other things he's doing are a bit more short term as well. And, <sighs> You know, we have him, he says here that he's honouring, you know, what the other bat books are already doing, and it's not going to be, so much mm-hmm. unlike what we were just saying before, it doesn't necessarily feel like he wants to come in and reset everything. No. Although, he has got his own bat, you know, he's picked a bat costume that he wants to have in his comic, he's got the oval back, so that's something to look out for. And that's and that's fair, I feel like you want to put your mark to let people know, like, even if they just look at the cover. Yeah. You know, this is this is the Williamson run, if you will. Yeah, he's... Uh, it's not like he hasn't written Batman before, like, because he, he did those issues with King, you know, the crossover with the Flash. and He also did some Batman Superman uh, uh, yeah. early on. Um, mm-hmm. Jorge Molina is the artist, at least to start off with, and it's going to be a new villain in the first arc called Abyss. Uh, where's my 4K Abyss, Cameron? Eh? Where is it? I'll see that and I'll, I'll copy James and go, where's the 4K Josie and the Pussycats? Not James Cameron. He means James, someone that yeah. we know named James. We don't know. James Cameron might be a huge mark for Josie and the Pussycats. We don't know. But, yes. Uh... <laughs> I hope not. It'll ruin my, it'll shatter my illusions of what James Cameron is if he's a big fan of Josie and the Pussycat. I'm, I'm still recuperating from Christopher Nolan saying he likes the Fast and the Furious franchise, all right? I don't know how to take that to... Hey, real recognizes real, all right? <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> hey, talented people can like trash. Uh, clearly, that's you know the, the, the lesson. 
Even Chris Nolan has to shut off his brain sometimes. <clears throat> and he does that by joining Dom Toretto's family. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's basically the news. Uh, 118 is the, uh, is the first issue of Williamson's, uh, run. So, very neat. Uh, you can get a look at what this new villain looks like, because the covers for 118 and 119 are, uh, both out with this new story. And, yeah, he's got a bit of a generic look. He's, he's kind of like, uh, like a black, all black version of Spoiler's outfit, but with, like, a sort of gas mask sort of looking thing on. Okay. Well, maybe a little storm. Yeah, I wonder how he's gonna rebound after Fear State because you kind of know that's where Tynan's leaving is post that, right? Um, yeah. So it's almost Gotham's almost primed for a reset at that point. So uh, interesting that he's gonna lead with a new villain. I wonder. Um, is that is that? Uh, yeah, I think that's Molina's art on that one nineteen cover, which actually fills me with some because I, I don't I don't really know this artist. But if that's if that's Molina's art on that cover, then I'm suddenly very excited for what the art in the book's going to be. <laughs> it's a very nice cover, that's all I'm saying. I'm going to look this up because I haven't seen it. Uh... Yeah, that's actually 119. Uh, that yeah, I got that. Although, it may, it may, I think it did 118's cover as well. Uh, but, uh... Cool. Oh, uh, no, don't go to that site. <laughs> Stupid Google. I don't want to go there. Why is that the first one? Because all the good comic sites all died out because they weren't as they were they weren't yeah. trashy enough to survive in a I modern guess, setting. I guess. <laughs> but yeah. All right. While um, you're looking at that, I will move on to the other bit of news, which is not huge news, but it's big in the sense of how many books that it affects, and also uh, when we'll be reading things. So, uh, DC has informed retailers that a sizable portion of its upcoming releases will be delayed due to the pandemic's ongoing impact on global supply chains. Now, this is interesting that we're getting this particular problem now, given that it's, you know, it's not mm-hmm. like we're early in the, the whole process or anything. If the business has been fairly smooth sailing for a while at this point, but um, yeah, this, this came from DC's marketing manager, Albert Cheng, on August 25th. Uh, up until this point, we've been able to keep delays and shortages to a minimum, uh, but with recent notifications about uh, COVID-related port closures, international and domestic freight delays, workforce shortages, and severely allocated paper supply, oh geez, uh, we are unable yeah. to continue to manage the situation without disruption. Uh, so they've now revised release dates for 28 upcoming single issues, uh, along with five collected editions. So I guess what I'm saying here before I tell you anything else, because there's a list here, is that mm-hmm. um, if certain things feel that they've suddenly moved in the next couple of months, this is why, <laughs> right? bunch of things got delayed. Now, admittedly, this list here, it does feel like it's mostly that they've kind of picked what they're, they're letting slip a little bit. So mm-hmm. a lot of the mainline stuff seems unaffected, but a few things are trickling in. So here's the list of books that have all been moved. Uh, Batman Reptilian Issue 5, Batman New Adventures Season 2 Issues 4 and 5, uh, Long Halloween Special Issue 1, uh, Batman Catwoman Issue 8, uh, Batman The Detective Issue 5. Uh, now, it doesn't look like they've been moved a lot. It looks like they've been moved maybe a few weeks, you know, each. Uh, Blue and yeah, Gold. Yeah, but still, yeah. Yeah, Blue and Gold Issue 2 and 3. I remember you were expecting Issue 2, like, last week or whatever. Uh, yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah. Again, it's not a huge delay. That's, like, next week. It's not, you know, yeah. two weeks from now. But it's not, like, a big yeah. deal. Uh, yeah. Green Lantern 2021 Annual. 
uh, has been moved. Okay. Hardware Season 1, Issue 2, Justice League 67, uh, Lock and Key, Sandman Universe, uh, Hell and Gone, Issue 2, <laughs> uh, Newbie and the Amazons, Issue 1. Issue 1's a bit easier to swallow, because it's not started yet. <laughs> yeah, no, I just I got down to the bottom, and I just saw a list of them. I know. Maybe I... say, oh no. Yeah. Uh, Static, Season 1, Issues 3 through 6. All push back. Suicide Squad Get Joker, uh, issue three. Uh, Suicide Squad 2021 Annual. Superman Son of Kal-El, issue three. Uh, although that's actually not that far away. I, I mean, I think issue one and two were already pushed back a little bit. Because they yeah. they weren't meant to launch on the same day as action, but the last two issues have no. been. It's uh, almost like a, a fair reset where like you're just letting stuff catch up. Yeah. Uh, so you can get back on a regular publishing schedule. Superman 78, issue three. Superman, Son of Kal-El, issue 4. Why were those separated? That was weird. Uh, Teen Titans Academy, 7 and 8. And then finally, Wonder Girl, issues 4 through 7. Which does suck. Uh, I was looking ahead at next week's books. Issue 3 of Wonder Girl is next week. So it's not actually that bad, because issue 4 is 12th of October, so it's just over a month since issue 3. So the actual gap between issues doesn't look that bad. Uh, If anything, the gap we had was between issue 2 and 3. It's felt quite big. Yeah. So... Um, um, but just seeing them all in a row like that, I was like, oh no, but then I was like, oh no, that's a regular printing schedule. Yeah, yeah, we've already kind of had the delay for the most part. Uh, yeah. if I, if, in fact, anything, looking at this list, issues five and six are both out in November, according to this. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El is, is, they're a week apart, three and four. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I, given that these delays were caused by supply chain issues and not because, like, you know, the creatives mm-hmm. are taking longer... Right. You would expect right. that maybe these will be out quickly at some point like yeah. this. So Yeah. Noticing Batman and Detective not uh seemingly impacted. Yes. So uh, or Wonder Woman. Not actually. So it makes me wonder for that record. Oh right. Uh, makes me no, but it just makes me wonder if the double shipping ones are kind of ahead of the supply chain issue. And most of them are back I mean? to single shipping though. Batman's the only one right now that is double shipping. I feel like why am I so behind on Wonder Woman then? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> because it double shipped last month? Yeah, maybe. Uh, <laughs> I'm three issues behind at this point, so that's why I'm only a month behind. I, I'd have to go check the November solicits again, but I definitely yeah. will fear state so on Batman's double shipping. Uh, right. And then, I mean, technically it's triple shipping in November because you've got uh, that one shot, the you know, the, the fear state mm-hmm. Omega. Right. You know, final one shot, right? Because we got we got we got the oh, first one next week. That's why, though, too, because they got their ducks in a row, and that's part of a a banner event. Yeah, because so uh, they don't want to delay one thing. Fear State, that makes more sense. I mean, I'll tell you the full list later, but Fear State Alpha issue ones next week, which is the right. sort of kickoff to the the bat event. So, right, uh, which would be fun. But uh, I'm excited for a bat event. I know I talk a lot of crap about Batman, <laughs> but bat events are fun. Just because of all the different characters that are involved, because it's not just Batman, right? Like, yeah, I think it's because there's such a a, a deep roster that mm-hmm. that lives in Gotham. So when you have mm-hmm. an event that affects the whole city, there's just a natural kind of way to fit everyone involved mm-hmm. into it, right? So it's very easy to say, okay, this is how Babs is getting on during like No Man's Land. This is how so and so is getting involved in No Man's Land. Like, right. all of it kind of nicely fits together. Um, mm-hmm. so with- yeah. You know, whereas other family of characters, like, you have characters that are spread out sometimes across different planets because Superman flies off somewhere, because the Green Lanterns are all spread out, or... Yeah. 
You know? But see, I used to feel the same about when John's on Green Lantern. Like you get to that big Green Lantern story, and there's so many different lanterns. Oh sure. Yeah. It, you're just like, oh man. If I don't like what's going on in the main story, I have this story I mean, to go with. It's yeah, exciting. don't don't take what I just said as uh, the, the, you you can't do it with the other families. It's just I'm no. just you know well, there's, a, there's a reason why Gotham tends yeah. to have a really good track record is because it tends to be really easy to fit them into the mold. I would say, yeah. but For sure, yeah. There you go. Unfortunate. I mean, honestly, it's not really that big. It sounds because when I read the headline, I was like, "28 books have been delayed." But then you look at it, and it's, eh, you know, those we've actually already had most of the gaps that were caused by yeah. it. So, eh. right. whatever. Um, there you go. So I'm, I'm gonna pull a Connor, and I want to talk about a a silly thing that got brought up. Sure. Go that, on. That Philip Kennedy Johnson responded to a a certain person who will remain nameless brought up that. Uh, they have an inside source saying DC is going to kill off traditional Superman and and all this other stuff. And the news got back to Philip Kennedy Johnson and his salty reply was like, yep, you found me out. The character that I've wanted my whole life to read that is on, you know, posters and, and lunch boxes and T-shirts. My first mission out the gate to kill him off and do my own thing. <laughs> and it's rare to see creatives engage in silly stuff like that. But it was actually kind of refreshing, uh, refreshing to see him, you know, step up and be like, all right, don't listen to this person. They have no idea what they're talking about. Um, and it was just, it made me like proud that that's my guy writing action comics, you know? Mm. So, so excited for War World. <laughs> like, Oh man! Hey, you know I sometimes I have to read really dumb YouTube comments. You know I I know yeah, what it's like to bro. <laughs> that that comment stuck with me throughout work. <laughs> I was just trying to figure out if that person really was trolling or if that was a hundred percent sincere comment. For, for, yeah, for for context here for the audience, um, there was a comment on one of uh, the reviews on Mailfuzz TV uh, for an episode of Babylon Five in which the person complained that it was not a reaction video with the, the, the episode itself showing in the screen. Now, admittedly, had, had it been titled reaction video, I could maybe understand the request yeah. for such a thing. But <laughs> it wasn't. Do you, do you think there's a a subset that uses a... Because I, I know YouTube is pretty clamped down with that type of stuff. Mm-hmm. That that's how they watch things. It's through reaction videos. Oh, very possibly. I I mean, I know reaction videos, and there are some that are all right. Like, some people put some effort into them, and they'll edit up the footage, and they'll do, like, highlights, and they'll sort of work around the copyright by only having small snippets, but enough to mm -hmm. make it clear what they're reacting to. And, you know, it works fine. But reaction videos, especially lazy ones, are so rampant on YouTube, and people yeah. try and get away with it as much as they can through trickery, mm -hmm. that... There, there are people who think that that's what the main purpose of YouTube is, and all I can think yeah. from a comment like that is that this person just doesn't understand the concept of people talking about something and like reviewing right. something versus right. a reaction, because that's all he ever sees on YouTube. Is that's all he right. watches is reaction videos. See, and like I feel at this point we have too much content out there of people responding, reacting, and not breaking stuff down. It's why, as much as you know. Alden overtweets things. I appreciate his take because he does take time to sit there and break things down and not just react to them, you know? And yeah, I just, 
I don't know, man. My because sometimes you end up on the wrong part of YouTube, and this is what the algorithm starts throwing you. I'm like, no, I don't. I don't need to see a Spider-Man reaction video. Like, I watched the trailer. Like, I talked <laughs> to my friends. It's fine. Like, you know. Uh, but yeah, that it's just that comment. Now I don't want to say it broke me. It didn't break me. However, the rest of the day at work after seeing that comment was like, what is going on? You know, it's like when you're when you're driving down the road and you see someone doing something weird and you're just like, what's that dude's story? And you start thinking about it a couple hours later and be like, why was he wearing that and walking that way on the freeway? You know? <laughs> I don't think it would get him asked so much. Maybe I shouldn't post these like shitty comments. No, no, because it also it also cracks me up. Um so yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I'm happy occasionally to share a dumb comment, uh, assuming yeah. it's not like particularly. I mean, it was, I mean, obviously, he was very angry. He was like swearing and everything. He was very upset yeah. that it wasn't exactly something that he had convinced himself it was going to be before clicking on it. But, also, hey. also, the internet entitlement is something that I'm just over. Um, and and there's been some stuff that have, have popped up over the last day or two around a very popular anime that's being adapted. And I am just like, I'm so over fan entitlement. It's like, just watch it or don't. It, uh, let, let's save stuff until it comes out. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, it's like, obviously there's, there's room for critiquing and breaking things down, like you say. Mm -hmm. It, it, it kind of boils down to, are you actually trying to think about it and critique it? Or are you just yelling blanket things because it's not exactly what you want? And like... Mm -hmm. Obviously, there can be blurry lines between those two things, depending on, like, if you're mixing your passion with something that you're trying to actually break down, and so on and so on. But, uh, you know, the, the cheap, kind of easy drama, which is why I think reaction... And this is not to say yeah. that, it's, you know, there's nothing wrong with enjoying this if you do enjoy it, but the reason why something like that works is the same reason why reality TV, because so much of that is about putting yeah. people in situations where they're either presented with a really awkward moment, or a really scary moment, or a really heartwarming moment and it's the reactions that people like some people love to feed on they love watching things like that no that no that's that's very true that's very true but you know i just i just see this type of stuff and when it's not exactly what they think it should be it's just like guys let's why are we complaining already and i say we that's the royal we because i don't i don't care at this point like yes i rail against what warner's done over with the dceu and stuff with certain things but like that's just the lazy argument for me anymore. Um, but I've seen it. That that's the difference. I, I go into things with an open mind. I know one thing not so much, but you know, um, a certain four hour cut of, of a movie. <laughs> uh, not so oh. much an open mind there, but up to that point, very open mind. Um, and uh, I'll need to be disappointed. So that said, the Hans Zimmer score for Man of Steel still goes hard. So. Um, Cut, cut that, getting ready to watch Rampage last night before dinner, and Man of Steel was ending, and then that ramps up, man. That's a good score. Oh, it was on TNT before? Yes, Rampage. it was. Okay. <laughs> so, like, I was like, man, uh, well, that's good. But yeah, I just, <laughs> just the entitlement via all these other things, man. We have, we have too much. We're too, we have become the Matrix minus the plug into the back of your head. Give it time, though. Oh, you're not excited for Matrix Resurrections, Matt? I am not, because I came to this conclusion with certain things, like Blade Runner. I don't even hate on the Matrix. Blade Runner was, like, one of the things where I felt like I had to like to consider myself a film nerd. 
And then I just realized, like, it, it's fine if I don't like it. Like, I, I understand the artistry there. I love the set design and the atmosphere and Rucker Howard's speech for Tears in the Rain. But as a movie, I'm not that big of a fan of Blade Runner, let alone 2049. So, and same with The Matrix. I thought that I had to like The Matrix, and I'm just like, it's okay. The first movie has some fun moments, but, like, I'm not waiting for part four. Well, you know? I mean, I actually kind of agree on Blade Runner. I, I spoke yeah. at length about Blade Runner and Blade Runner 2049 mm -hmm. uh, recently on the Atomic oh. Cinema Experiment. Here's a cheap plug. Oh. Uh, but we also did all the Matrix movies on that. And oh. I will say I completely disagree with Matt on the first one. I think the first one, revisiting it and analyzing it, it is yeah. basically a masterpiece, which is why it's okay. so shocking watching Reloaded and Revolutions and not like... Them being made by the same people is absolutely insane. They are trash. They are absolute yeah. trash. And if, if if Matrix 4 is anything other than laughable train wreck, I will be impressed. Wow. <laughs> because I am wow. not expecting anything from that movie. Yeah, yeah so I just, I, I, I guess at my advanced age and, and nerddom, I guess, I'm not even that old. I just, it's, it's okay to not like things everybody else likes. Like, you don't have to as... Some of you can discuss it. Like, I had a conversation with a friend last night who loves Blade Runner. And we got to talking about if Deckard is, is a replicant or not. And even though I'm not a fan of that movie, we, we had a nice, you know, 10-minute discussion about it and how I I think that he is and, and RJ thinks that he's not because of X, Y, and Z. And that's what I'm more interested in versus, like, you know, is it good or not? Like, let's, we, we can talk around stuff, you know? I'm fine. Oh, I mean, I'm right. fine with is it good or not. I just, it, but the conversation should be why is it good? Why is it bad? Yeah, why is well, it... and like again, we I can have discussions about. This. It's like I also say this about like uh, Indiana Jones and Crystal Skull. Like, look, I know it's the worst Indiana Jones movie, but for now. the amount of crap that it gets on on the internet, it's like, do you really not like it, or did the internet tell you not to like it? Because like it's bad, but it's not like compared to even Temple of Doom. Like, it's not that far off. Like, there are some very bad elements to it. I will give it that. But it's still a very watchable movie. I mean, I have not uh, rewatched it since the theater yet, Matt. I felt yeah. no compulsion right. to, which, I mean, that's... And Pete, that, that's fine. But, okay, so Jurassic Park 3. I'll go to your wheelhouse. Uh-huh. People tear up Jurassic Park 3 all the time. It's still a very watchable sci-fi silly movie. It's ten times better than Lost World. Okay, well, we'll disagree there, but... Is Lost, yeah. Lost, Lost World is, is, is a pretty mediocre, drab movie. Spielberg clearly was phoning it in because he didn't want to do a sequel, right? Jurassic Park 3 is just a silly B-movie, but it's a silly B-movie that knows what it is and just silly B-movies yeah. itself up. Yeah. And, and I'll say the same about Crystal Skull. Then. It knows what it is, whether you like that or not. What it is, that's fine. But, like, I have a, I have a lot of friends that'll, that'll try to talk crap on it, and I was like, look, Let's have this discussion, and let's I, not just be like... Oh, hey, so. I actually own it. I, I, I got the bundle on iTunes in 4K yeah. a few weeks ago, so I do actually Ooh. own Crystal Skull mm -hmm. in the most pristine quality one could watch it in. I, I am afraid of the Mutt Williams Tarzan scene in glorious 4K, because that did, <laughs> did not hold up in theaters back in 2008. Uh, so, shit, that's 2008. 13 years ago. I don't like that. There are children who were born 
the same month that that came out in theaters. That Brother, are... I work at a, I work at a middle school. There are kids that when they tell me what year they were born, I like just stop talking. That's <laughs> already all... married. You were born. Yeah. All right. Let's the, 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 get kid, away from the, me. the kids who were born when Crystal Skull came out are all playing like Fortnite, like uh-huh. for ten hours a day. That's what I was saying to Tim, because I was talking to Tim about stuff, and he was saying, oh, yeah. one day I'll have free time again. I was like, don't worry, it'll be a couple of years, and you, you, your kid will be playing Fortnite for 10 hours. You'll have plenty of time. Yeah. <laughs> You'll have nothing but free time. Once he, once he gets done putting his feet in his mouth. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Uh, all right, let's not a comic, shall we? Yeah. Let's do it. All right. Detective Comics 1042. Rico Tamaki writing with Victor Bogdanovich mm-hmm. on the art. Uh, and this wraps up the jury storyline. I was actually imp- surprised that this was uh, the final issue of this. I thought well, it could be just a couple. But... Yeah, but it makes sense with, with Fear State coming. Like, it feels... I will say my biggest problem with this one is it does feel rushed. The feels, ending here. It feels slightly rushed, uh, but that is basically the only complaint I would maybe mm-hmm. levy on it because yeah. everything I else... Still, I was I, I met up with some friends on Wednesday that I haven't seen because of the pandemic. They all came to the comic shop and we hang out or we hung out for a couple hours just BSing. And they haven't really read comics in a year and a half. Like they kind of got out of it. And I was telling them because they know how critical I am of Batman. I go, you know, I think I think Tamaki's detective is the most I've enjoyed Batman in a very long time. Just with what they're doing with it. And that it's very unlike anything else. I mean Hugh Vile as a character, I can't think of any other Batman villain that's similar. Um, and and even even Mr. Worth, like yes, we've had the big crime guy, but not the seven foot, you know, brick house, kingpin style Bat villain. So, um, and they they didn't really believe me until I explained what was going on. And I feel like my one friend was like, "All right, I guess I'll have to get the Comicsology account back up." So <laughs> yeah, that's a win. Yeah, uh, so obviously we left with a cliffhanger of Batman being infected, uh, and there's a couple of moments where he's still in the rating, but only for mm-hmm. a short while because he, he's taken over. Um, mm-hmm. And we have Penguin and Worth watching on, Vile's kind of realising who's been infected from like, from a distance, and he attacks the, the, the doctors and stuff around him. Mm-hmm. And then we get the visual that basically makes this entire issue, uh, which is Batman looking like Cthulhu. Uh, that panel on the title page mm-hmm. at the bottom, where it's just like the the cowl, but with the green eyes and the green sort of tentacles coming out from under the mask. Absolutely phenomenal. Pete, that's what I think the Bat God actually looks like. I would, I'm, I'd buy it. I'd, yep. Yeah, you know? <laughs> Go for it. Uh, no, not, not, not Barbatos. This thing right here. This, this yes. is, yeah. This is terrifying. Like, this is wonderful. This I... is what strikes. Yeah, this is this is what strikes fear to the, the you know uh, what does he say, a superstitious and cowardly lot. Yes, that's this thing right here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and Worth and Penguin can turn each other basically immediately mm-hmm. uh, because yeah. Bat, you know, because Cthulhu Bat, Batthulhu, whatever you want to call him, he starts mm-hmm. uh, obviously causing absolute chaos. Uh, it turns into red narration boxes with. Um, you know, uh, saying like, "Find him, my puppet, my queen." You know, obviously he's getting like like calls from yeah. like veils, like parasite, and he's looking for worth. And 
they end up on a roof and all this art is gorgeous. Uh, Bogdanovich here, uh, there's a great page here where there's the lightning striking behind Batman with, again, these tentacles coming out of his mouth. But you've got the bottom, it's, it's like the animated series where you've got the silhouette at the rooftop at the bottom uh, with just, just the small characters down there. Uh, it is a gorgeous page. Um, all of this felt like really big climactic sort of face-off stuff, which is really nice. So even though I I could have really had like a whole issue of like, you know, Bat Thule like causing chaos in the streets as Huntress tries to track him down. Um, all mm-hmm. of this stuff but actually going against Worth and Batman being able to like gain enough control as he's dangling him off the, the roof to like sort of not, you know, kill him, right? Because that's the, you know, the, the one right. thing, the, the strongest will in Batman's body is not to kill, right? So right. after he drops him, he shoots a Batarang and is able to, uh, and it gives us, there's a little bit of dialogue later to explain maybe that, oh, maybe it wasn't as potent as normal because it was like, you know, taken into a veil yeah. and taken, you know, and but shot also, at him elsewhere and stuff like that. As much as I rail against that whole concept of Batman can do, I like the idea that even with this parasitic infection, that will not to kill is stronger. Yeah. You know? Like it, it Bruce is gonna override Vile's uh impulses every time. Um and, and I feel like him throwing the battering kind of to save him, I, I like that because it's a small moment, you know, that it does end up meaning a lot. Yeah, and it's also promoting like, you know, Batman's like most true and Vir- you know virtuous like quality mm-hmm. right you know it's not it's not promoting his skills as a fighter it's not promoting his no. skills uh you know as a as a thinker or anything like that it's, it's not or his physicality or anything it's purely just his will to be good and to be the best the person that he can be you know, this idea of mm-hmm. not killing and not crossing that line so it's, it's one of those things like putting that idea over like it's, it's hard not to find that heartwarming and not to like sort of have it promote like the the idea of Batman as opposed to any of his, like, you know, prowess as a, as the best fighter in the world or right. anything like that. So, uh, I think all that works. Obviously, Huntress shows up and she's talking to Oracle and trying to find Batman. Um, and Batman actually, uh, cuffs himself. Yeah. Uh, just in a moment of control again. Uh, and then, you know, we have all the big stuff. Uh, then the big showdown, Vile shows up. He's like, I have the bat now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Basically, Batman, like, charges in at him while he's still sort of under control. And the parasite comes flying out of Vale's mouth and Huntress crossbows at midair. Bink. This reminded me of, of something that would have happened in, like, The Thing. You know? Like, Huntress is in that, that, sure. uh, that Kurt Russell kind of mode. Um, but yeah, it's very, very sci-fi monster movie. Uh, and we don't get that enough in Batman. So I'm, yeah. I'm here for this. But a bit more of an athletic, like, flair to it, obviously, than the thing. Of course. Because they're, they're all, like, right. schlobby middle-aged dudes in that movie. <laughs> but, right. This is, yeah. you know, Huntress's peak human condition, you yeah. know. But, but yeah. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, we get the, the sort of the follow-up, which is them at the, the grave of Sarah Worth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bruce and, and uh, Helena. And they're talking about uh, what they went through. He kind of explains that, you know, maybe it wasn't as potent because it was, wasn't was administered directly. Maybe it was watered down because of how it was given to him. You know, mm-hmm. they don't know for sure. Maybe that's how he was able to fight through it. Uh, so it gives you enough to just maybe give it some doubt. We actually see Batman in his classic outfit at the end, which obviously was set up before. Um, right. Was that in this or was that in Batman? 
Tales of Batman. That was in Batman. So that's a nice little Be- bit of synergy because, between them. Yeah, because remember, um, uh, Babs told him he had a spare suit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I Wait, remember, I, I no remember, that was in tech. I was in, yeah. That was in tech. I remembered the scene. I just couldn't remember if it was yeah. this or no, Batman. No, it was tech because we were talking about that it was in the spare cave. That's right. Or that's the, right. not the spare cave. The, uh, one of his underground layers. That's and right, that's goes, right, just yeah. Be, it's, it's older. Yeah, yeah. I got that confused with the Matches Malone stuff with the um, the un, Unsanity Collect. Collective. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Deb gets a, a very expensive bottle of wine. Uh, uh, whiskey. Bruce. Oh, is it whiskey? Sorry. I, yeah, because remember she, he bumped into her and she he dropped the one that he gave gifted her before, so that was a that was a fun running joke. Hmm. Uh, you know I really like the final page as well. As, as a as a as a fan of horror movies, the sort of like the uh the horror is going to live on kind of like tag at the end. It's kind of a darkly funny scene as well, where the two coroners are like you know digging into Hugh Vale who basically just died after the parasite was removed from a few hours later. Yeah. And one one of them is complaining, like, hey, you know, my cousin, like, just gets old people, mostly, because of the city they live in. It, it was, yeah. It's very rarely anything else. And yet we get all these weird things because we're in Gotham. And as they're having this conversation, like, these weird eggs are coming out of his body and, like, moving down to the it's drain. Like the and it's brain? like... What's yeah. That? Yeah. They, well, they cut open his head and they're like, what? what? It's full of eggs. What was up with this guy? You have to imagine this is going to grow more power. Whether or not there's ever a follow up to this is another question. No, but but it's a nice it's a nice setup, and like you said, it is like a horror movie where you're like, oh no, you know. This is like uh, the end of episode four of the hit television show Buffy the Vampire Slayer, <laughs> Teacher's Pet, where eggs uh, from the praying mantis are are right. revealed in the closet, but it's never followed up on. It's just kind of a tease. No, because that was the that was Xander's teacher, right? Yes. The- uh, that's right. So this could be like that, and it's never followed up on. That said, though, maybe in like two or three arcs' time, Tamaki's going to be like, "Oh, by the way, there's tons of those parasites in the sewer now." <laughs> yeah, she could do that. So yeah, you know. Uh, but no, I, I, had a, I had a fun time in this finale. I, I think the the big confrontation and Batman, unlike Worth, been able to like fight through the anger, even though it was artificial anger because it wasn't really mm-hmm. his anger. Uh, is a nice thematic full stop. On the arc, and the art throughout was phenomenal. All, all the big showdown stuff with the lightning, uh, the, mm-hmm. the parasite face from the cowl uh, was wonderful. The, the green glow in the darkness, all that stuff was really, ni- really nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So are we given the main story then? So I'm, I'm going to give this a uh, 8.5. You know what? I'm, I'm going to agree. I would, I would give it a 9, but... G- just because it feels slightly rushed to conclude before yep. we get to Fear State, I will drop half mm-hmm. a point for that. But yeah. it's not a huge demerit on it. Not a huge no. demerit. Uh, no, it's still really good. Like, Did you uh, read the backup? I didn't because last time sneaky, I pulled a sneaky, I did not read the other one. I just acted like I did. Um, and, <laughs> and yeah. Uh, so I just listened. So if, if you read this, I'll, I'll listen. Yeah, of course I read I I mean, I enjoyed the first part, and Detectives backups have been the one backups that I've been really mm-hmm. actually kind of enjoying. Uh, so this is following up the Deb, uh, Donovan, and Red Hood. Well, Red Hood popped up at the end of the last one. Mm-hmm. Uh, investigating the story that's going to lead to Task Force Z. Uh, so it's basically just them. Uh, Red Hood eats a bunch of food and then leaves her to foot the bill. 
but basically it's him convincing her to like take this story and keep investigating to see what's going on uh and she's ready to just leave and not be a part of it but then he says that he contacted her instead of vicky Vale because he likes her writing better and she's like damn it you've got me <laughs> all right <laughs> so a little, a little bit of an ego stroke to get mm. you know i like that deb donovan's becoming a supporting character in gotham like oh yeah i'm digging it yeah uh she uh there's a nice little bit where it's sort of like again because this was a big part the big part of the first part was mm-hmm. uh her talking about what it's like being a journalist and what people think it is there's a little montage of that where she's like you know people you know when you're being a journalist to say oh it'll be rewarding you'll get to like go places yeah. make your own hours but it's all very ironic where it'll say you get to make your own hours and it'll be her like working late because she has to meet a deadline <laughs> like it's not right. like she gets to pick hours it's just she's working extra time Mm-hmm. Um, you get to travel, and then it's like a guy saying, "Oh, we're going for tacos for lunch." That you know, that's the traveling and uh stuff like that. It's a it's just it's a funny page, uh, and then she says that you know one of the things that people assume is that it's a lot of stakeouts. When she's like, "No, this is actually my first one." <laughs> she's staking out the you know the, the morgue uh, to see if anything's happening mm-hmm. with the bodies, um, and basically, uh, Vicky's gets pissed at her when she phones her, um because she's basically taking her source and uh, even that's got a funny beat though because vicky's on a date because uh deb mm-hmm. calls her and says hey you busy and she's like nah what's up and it's her sitting in a fancy dress at a restaurant and a guy with his arms folded like what <laughs> seriously yeah. we're on a date not bruce wayne yeah not bruce wayne no as, no. I, as i'm looking through it but yeah no clearly yeah. kind of like bruce wayne but it's definitely not bruce wayne she's got a type right i mean yes yeah you know. yes uh but yeah, so sure enough, some bad guys show up at the morgue and they're taking some bodies. Uh, Deb's pissed at Red Hood for tapping her phone. Uh, I did enjoy the dialogue here because Deb's like, did you tap my phone? And Red Hood just goes, yes. Don't lie to me, I can find out. And he's like, I said yes. <laughs> uh, you know, So just some fun stuff. Red Hood goes off to fight the uh, bad guys and ask some questions about why they're there, what they're doing. Uh, but as this is going on, Deb tries to call uh, the police and is hit from behind, giving us a little cliffhanger for next time. Um, hmm. I'm digging this. I like Deb as a character. I think the chemistry with Red Hood is actually pretty solid. And th- you know what? They've got me. I'm, I'm interested in this Task Force Z. This reanimating corpses for a zombie suicide squad is actually kind of interesting. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. uh, Especially since they're, they're tying in multiple deaths of villains that, you know, I don't really care about Astrid Arkham so much, but the fact right. that Man Bat was killed in a backup recently, which leads into this Bane and the A Day stuff and Batman, mm-hmm. like again, everything feels connected. It feels nice. The art in this backup is not as good as the main story. I mean, I think that's fair to say, uh, but it's okay. Yeah, it's, it's fine. Uh, but the, the character works. What you're really here for, uh, and I'm dig- I'm digging it. Uh, it's, it's, I mean, this might be the only backup I'm still reading and still want to read <laughs> because it's the yeah. one that I feel it's actually using its its time very smartly. So. Uh, so pretty good um yeah that's our solid seven i'd say uh it's hard to rate a backup because i i don't know what a backup can do in 10 pages to make me like give it a raving score so seven seems to be yeah. the ceiling but i mean i'm sure there's some out there especially when they're more standalone yeah um like, like i do think that first huntress one was really really good yeah it was no you're um, right it was it was very good so but that felt standalone you know that almost felt like uh like again when they feel more like an annual story, like this is definitely what I thought the backups are going to be more of, where they're serialized. Um, and it seems like Rosenberg's really good at that style. 
because yeah. there was that and the grifter one you know uh so uh but no yeah i, I get what you're saying though like it's it takes a little bit more to, to make you be like oh yeah this was amazing you needed to check it out yeah i think it's just tough because you've only got 10 pages and yeah it just it feels like you're getting parts of a story rather than the whole issue it's not as meaty a chunk i guess mm-hmm. but no, but I mean, I'm enjoying the backups in this though, and I I do it's, it's, it's succeeded in making me want to read at least the first issue of Task Force Z to see what it's like, uh, and I'm sure it's might be pronounced Task Force Z, but I don't care. <laughs> actually, you know what? I'll, I'm actually going to admit that in acronyms, for the most part, it sounds better as Z than Z. It tends to roll yeah. better, but I will say for Task Force Z, I actually think saying Z makes it sound cooler. I mean, either way. So, so the movie, the Brad Pitt movie that came out, what'd you call that? Uh, I I I called that World War Z because that's what that's just what it was called. That's how everyone pronounced okay. it. But gotcha. Even though technically it'd be World War Z, but it just it didn't right. have the same ring to it. See, to me, that's the opposite. As World War Z sounds way more. Like, that sounds like oh man, versus World War Z. I think that it sounds almost cheap. I think it's because, like. Not specifically because of World War Z, but mm-hmm. so much of like th- th- so many games that that inspired, particularly Daisy uh, mm-hmm. and stuff, and it, it, that just sounds stupid to me if you say DayZ. <laughs> it just doesn't sound right. True. No, that's true. You know. So I don't know. It's it's weird, uh, but this is the problem because Americans say it wrong. Uh, we all have to suffer with a weird double standard. Uh, so, uh, there you go. That's Detective Comics 1042. Um, Action Comics 1034. Philip K. Johnson and Daniel Sampier on the art. Uh, so obviously we've been digging this. Uh, the Thalosians, if I'm remembering the name of these Kryptonians right. Um, yep. And their plight. We had the cliffhanger last time of these aliens uh, from you know the Mongol sent from War World. And so I just I slight correction. It's not Sam Pierre on this issue. Oh, is it not? It's Christian Juice. No. Oh, my apologies. Uh, That's okay. Yep. Uh, it must have been Sam Pierre. B- it was before. before. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah. So, Lois is uh, standing off against these aliens, uh, and her and uh, Thala? Thala? Yeah, Thala. Yeah. yeah. Uh, they're sort of facing off. They're doing okay. Um, bit of a fight scene. Uh, but he's like, he's like, I'm going to remind you of your duty to start to win the fight, and he goes over to kill the other sleeping Thalosians, um, who weren't doing so good before. Like no. they're barely clinging on to life, as it were. Yeah, they're on life support you know? basically. They're, they're, yeah. yeah, over in the the fortress, and we get this moment where Thala just after after he like picks them up and like bashes their heads together, seemingly killing them. Yeah, uh, Thala incinerates these aliens with her heat vision. Yeah. Like, and, like, like the, it's, it looks, like, it's white hot heat vision. Like, we see yeah. Superman's heat vision and it's red. Right? This is white blue, like, just to signify. It, do you know what it looks like? The, the, the way the, the art portrays it when you see the blast hit them, mm-hmm. it looks like mm-hmm. in Terminator 2 when the nuclear blast hits yeah. uh, Sarah Connor in the dream. Yeah. You know, when you see the, the, the skeleton in the light. Yeah, because, because there is a force behind it not just, you know, not just an energy beam, you know. Yeah, because in the next page, when you see, like, her holding, like, her, her dead, you know, 
don't know if they're actually related People. or just yeah just like you know fellow yeah. uh, theologians but uh there's literally just a pile of dust with a skull <laughs> where the mm-hmm. alien, you know for the alien that was just incinerated yeah uh it's really good stuff but basically this like she gets up and she's like i'm sorry if, if you know they've, ki- they've killed you know my brothers here they're going to kill all the other slaves if i don't do what mongol asks i mean i'm i'm i'm, I'm extrapolating a little bit but that's effectively what mm-hmm. she's saying to lois and her eyes light up and it's like oh no she's going to go through with whatever mongol wants her to uh so that's a bit of a cliffhanger there but we cut to then uh the big thing that's going on out with atlantis and the uh, all the ships an international incident yeah because remember superman supergirl and superboy all showed up uh at the end of last issue to try and intervene and like they're not willing to negotiate. They're like, nah, this is we're we're putting our foot down. We're going to fight if they even try to cross. Uh, Superman and Co. If you know, immediately start intercepting the missiles and like blocking them. Mm-hmm. And Superman just gets pissed and pulls a big move, which is a really good couple of pages where he flies down close to the water to make a bit of a a wave and then uses mm-hmm. his super breath to freeze it. So we get like a wall of ice created, sort of separating the two armies, which is a yep. Really cool couple of pages. It's a really nice big Superman visual. Uh, all this going on. I thought it was really pretty. And, yeah, and I love the enough because it's not just anger. He's frustrated because no one's listening. The Atlanteans, the military, um, and just the, of course this other man handles it. Yeah, it's basically like him going like in an old cartoon, going and tying up the guns on the ship, you know, into a yeah. pretzel, but. This this worked really good, and I like this. Is better. Kara. And this is better. No, one hundred percent better. Yeah, but <laughs> just it, for, it had for the, the same vibe to me of like watching one of the old Fleischer cartoons, you know. Um, but Johnny Kara just looking like in awe. Because well, they, they, they especially look kind of like worried because Superman does something. A lo- I want to say quite quite say out of character per se, but he does sort of cross uh-huh. a line that normally Superman doesn't. Yeah. and he just he flies down to Atlantis. Where the, uh, the, the, the piece, what, what do we call it? I forgot the relic. What the relic, yeah. Whatever. I forget what it's called, but yeah, but it is a relic. It's a, that piece from our world that's yeah. charged. Uh, and Aquaman's like, look, I can't stop you if you're going to take this, Superman, <laughs> but if you do this, you know, things are going to change between us. And Superman just takes it and flies off because he's like, like, all this is happening because you're fighting over this, so I'm just taking it away. Clearly this is causing too mm-hmm. much trouble, and he flies off. And, you know, Kara and John are like, Maybe you shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Maybe that was a bold yeah. move. That was a mistake. It's done now. Well, you shouldn't have done it. What should have we done then? I don't know, but not that. <laughs> That's I love. I love the voice of Kara here. Yeah, I, I love that he's being pushed here. I, I love that there's kind of a, a like the idea that Mongols already like causing problems in his head. Yep. He's already getting in there and like messing with him a little bit. And of course, this yeah. is where they stop talking about this immediately because then John's like, hey, there's no sound coming from the fortress. Something's weird here. And obviously the close-up panel in Superman's eyes as he gets worried and all three of them speed off with the water under them. Uh, mm-hmm. Credit to the art here. I thought they are. I think... Because Deuce, I'm normally okay with this, but knowing that this isn't yeah. actually Sam Pierre, this feels... This does actually look a bit more Sam Pierre-esque to me. That's it art. does. It just... It felt off. So when I was reading it, I didn't realize it was Deuce, even though he's listed on the cover. And I was like, San Pierre, it's a little bit off, but it's silly. Maybe it was this rush. So I go to the title page. I go, oh, no, it's Christian Deuce. But it is. It, it's almost as if he softened the lines a little bit mm. more to kind of match that San Pierre. He's not doing the, sh- the stupid Deuce head that, I'm, right. I, that I don't right. like. Uh, so right. credit there for not being obviously Deuce. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Um, so they get back to the fortress and see the, the dead Talosians, the, the dust, the, the dust of the aliens that were, yep. uh, and yell out for Lois, as of course you do. And mm-hmm. that's when they find uh, Thalla, who blasts Superman. And uh, we just have a cliffhanger as uh, her and John uh, are speeding towards each other. Yep. Uh, and again, she's sympathetic because she says, forgive me as she's charging into mm-hmm. fight. She clearly doesn't want to do this. She's not doing this because she wants to hurt anyone. Right. She's doing this because she believes all her... Her, you know, her family, her loved ones are all going to be killed if she doesn't. Right. So, uh, honestly, it's, it's a really quick read this issue because it's a, it basically boils down to two halves. It's the first half with the fight and like the big, the incineration of the aliens, sort of yep. capping that off, and then it's the Atlantis stuff with the big standoff and the wall of ice, and then obviously going into her ending. So, it's a really quick read, but. I'm enjoying it. This build to Warworld is, uh, yeah, you know, it's that this character of Thaula, like putting her into this position, and especially because there's a line of dialogue from uh, the alien dude, which really stuck out to me. He was like, you know, he mentions that you know you you were chosen to be punished effectively for taking Superman's symbol. So that symbol, because right. we, we we questioned why does she have the House of El symbol on her. Mm-hmm. And it kind of sounds like it maybe was like worn as a as a mark of hope originally, and right. Mongols intentionally try to stamp that out of her because hey, you right, you took it's that making an example out of her, yeah, and so, and yeah, but it, yeah, just he's so sinister that I didn't talk about the last issue because I wasn't here for that, but mm. the scene there with the three Mongols basically, and it's just it feels like it's out of a different book, but it's so still so effective. It's just like what what is going on with Mongol, like what's his overall plan for Superman? This is um, I think this is really start smart storytelling because everything yeah. in this Mongol's behind it, and you mm-hmm. I don't think you ever quite forget that because because everything yeah. that Thalla is doing is under this sort of duress effectively, mm-hmm. and she's and she's she's actually willing to fight the elite. It's not until her you know her her like com- comrades or whatever you call them until they mm-hmm. are killed in front of her. That she's that that basically motivates her to sort of like it, it forces I, I, her hand. Yeah, I I have to do what he wants me to do, even though she clearly was sort of fighting against it up until that point. I right. I, I think it's motivated, and all of it puts over how evil and maniacal Mongol is. All of it sells the villain that we're going to eventually get to, and that we're going to eventually have Superman square off, and he's already in his head, and all these things are sort of compounding. So that's all really really smart. It's all really, really smart because it's building yeah. up that confrontation. And we've already had seeds of it. We've already had the teases of the future where he's got, you know, Superman's mm-hmm. in the chains and he's like making his speeches to Mongol and all that. Right. But uh, Well, that's the whole thing. He's keeping them away from each other right now. Um, and so, yeah, it's... I'm excited to see where it all goes. Just especially as a Superman fan because, you know, we, we had him writing both books for a second. And then the other book transitioned to the John book. So, you know, this is the de facto Superman book now. Clark Kent, Kal-El, however you want to say it. Yeah. I mean, this you know. feels like one big story that has a, a, mm-hmm. a map to it. Because I, I genuinely don't know if Johnson... like Not, not that I think it's going to be a short run, per se, but I don't know if Johnson right. has much planned beyond Warworld, because I think Warworld is going right. to be a big, long saga. And then yeah. that, may be the, that may be the whole run. Like, once Warworld's right. story's done, that may be him done. Which would be fine. Right. Like that's not a complaint, but that's that's how big this feels. It feels like a mm-hmm. saga of a, one's big story. Well, and then he also has that that piece with the the Arthurian part of it in the future, too. 
of, of what Superman means down the line with the legacy yeah. and whatnot, too. So it's like, how does this play into that? Because you feel like these are all pieces that are part of the same thing. Oh, so. for sure. Uh, yeah, it's because you know some runs from writers feel like. You know, each arc's like a new season of a TV show where they'll go mm -hmm. into new ideas, but then maybe they'll bring things back later on and like stuff. Whereas this does feel like more like a one big epic, uh, yeah. potentially. So, uh, yeah, no, I'm fascinated to see, uh, you know, where it goes. And obviously, there's more teases in other books of Superman leaving for a while. So that we're building up to that. We're not just like yeah. having it suddenly happen, which is nice. Right. Uh, that, that sets us up for, uh, so no, it's good. Uh, yeah, it's all, it's all issue. Um, what are you writing action comics? Uh, I'm going to give this one an eight. That's mainly from the, the deuce art. There's some pieces of the art that don't like the perspective gets a little bit skewed. Mm -hmm. And some of the faces are a little bit wonky. Uh, the one that stands out the most is the, the last panel at the end with Thala holding Lois. Mm -hmm. It just feels like someone used the compress tool. Uh, not compress, but like the stretch. Like it just feels a little bit off. Um, I, I think and Thal, there's a couple pages like Thal, that. Thal La looks alright. I think just Lois mm -hmm. looks a bit weird and screwed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's, honestly, they are overall. I mean, because the colors are really nice and bold. I do think mm -hmm. the big moments, for the most part, look really good. It yeah. really and the inks are really solid as well. I, I think it is just a case of just a bit misshaping at times. It really all it boils down to. I think because uh, all that stuff with the the water and the wall of ice and most of the fight at the start does look pretty good like the and the big moment where Thal Lal uses her heat vision is really well done so um I'm, I'm, I'll go with a eight point five there you go <laughs> I'll go eight point five uh so I'm having a good week so far uh but hey yeah action action's really solid uh Superman and Batman are in good places right now, funnily enough. Mm-hmm. Very uh, good places. Superman, Son of Kal-El, issue two. Tom Taylor writing with John Timms on the art. Uh, what's interesting is that, obviously, some themes continue from issue one, but this also kind of feels like a fresh start, this issue, because it's, you know, mm -hmm. it presents his first day at college, and something it felt that... felt like the first issue was a prologue to this. It, it does, yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, th this, so, I mean, that's just... Get out of the way. I had no idea they were doing this, like, they were going to try and give him a secret identity so that he could, you know, go to school without being, you know. It, it makes sense, though, right? Like, your it, dad announces that he's he's Superman. It makes sense. So that but unfortunately, leaves... Finn yeah. Connors was not long for this world. Oh, my God. Finn Connors sounds like a name they give somebody when they get called up from NXT. Joe, Joe, <laughs> Joe is so funny about it. Is that I really like the idea, but I thought the name was really stupid because, you know. Yeah. Because, you know. Connor, come on, that's a stupid name. Who, what, yeah. what sort of chump would have the name Connor, right? Yeah. But I thought this is a really cool idea. But the outfit, the wig, and the name are a bit weird. So Too the far. fact, so Too the far. yeah, the fact that it played in to the joke though mm -hmm. that this disguise was only going to last for ten minutes before he was immediately going to be exposed as being Superboy, yeah, uh, was really funny. Or Superman, I should say that. But yeah. it was really funny to me. Uh, so I actually really appreciated that the humor in that. Uh, yeah, because it sets your Taylor does this fun thing where he sets your expectation. Where you're like, "Oh, come on, really?" And then as soon as he gets to school and there's an emergency, that's out the window because he can't help himself. And you're like, "Oh, okay." And yeah, that's what I, I won't doubt you, Taylor. Yeah, there's a there's a shooter, and immediately 
like John's just like, well, I guess the cover's blown because he has to swoop in and like you know stop mm-hmm. all the bullets, and then like, wait a minute, you're John Kent, you're the son of Superman, yeah. and it's like, yeah, yeah, it's me, and he just flies off with the car, and it's mm-hmm. you know it's all, he goes to the moon, and he has a heart to heart with with Superman, uh, who's not left yet, and does sort of warn them that he might be going away for a little bit, and they kind of have this talk that kind of re-emphasizes the idea that we were getting from the first issue, which is that John is going to be different from Clark, and that. John is going to as may cross some lines that Clark never would, and that he feels like this is his world. He can maybe affect some more political things mm-hmm. that Clark isn't willing to. Um, I particularly like the line here where uh, Superman says, "Yeah, I may be going away for a little while, so you know, I'm just warning you." And he's like, "Wait, you're literally leaving the weight of the world on my shoulders." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, not literally, literally, but as close yeah, to yeah. literal as you can get. <laughs> yeah, with a metaphor. Um, so, no, all, all really good stuff, and basically, you know, Superman says that he never felt like it was his place because he wasn't born here, but maybe it is your place to step in well, and be be something that I it, couldn't. Yeah, but I like the idea of Superman going to, like, I'm I'm a symbol, so I try not to get involved in the little squabbles, right? Like, it's more important for me to look like I am not choosing a side. But you, you already have a side, you have skin in this, so... Just be yourself. I can't tell you what to do. And that's that's what I like about Clark's parenting, you know, uh, here, is that he's just trying to let him know that whatever you do, I, I trust you to do the right thing. And that's very Pa Kent, right? Like, it, it reminded me of in Birthright, kind of, where, where Clark's telling him he's going to go off and be this hero. And Pa kind of has the a different take. Where he's like, yeah, but now you're no longer just our boy. You're you're gonna belong to the world. And here, Clark handles a little bit better than Pa Kent, right? Because because of he's Superman. He's done this before. Um, and it's just a real nice moment. There's a lot. There's a lot to sort of dissect here with the with this relationship and dynamic of John mm-hmm. being a Superman who will sort of get more politically involved in things. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, the first thing I would say is that it's more relevant to our times in that we feel more maybe impassioned that people should take more of a stance mm-hmm. on tough subjects and the idea mm-hmm. that we're going to have this younger superman who is going to be willing to do that who isn't and it's not so much that superman's in the wrong because you know in the context of okay he's ultra powerful he doesn't want to take hey. sides to like you know completely upset the balance but ultimately you've got the meta side to this where time has moved on and we are more yeah. overtly taking stances on subjects that we feel we should so the idea that we have a younger superman here who is of a new generation who is going to take stances on these. So, and you know, th- this book is constantly referencing things, you know, there's climate change referenced again in this issue early right. on. Uh, there's talk of refugees, obviously it's from a fictional place, obviously, you know, to give it a right. little bit of a fictional buffer just mm-hmm. so that it's not completely depressing, which is nice. Right. But you know, it's talking about real things and the idea of John realizing that he can't have the, the secret identity uh, and maybe it's because secret identities and hiding behind like mass of your uh, political affiliation or maybe even in a more like minute minute mm-hmm. sense hiding behind like your name or avatar on a twitter or social media yeah like the idea that, that is maybe more of a problem now and it kind of gets in the way of just actually being there and like having a stance on the subject or having like a meaningful impact on it so Having all these things mixed in here, to, you know, to to John separating himself from being Superman, mm-hmm. 
Like, I don't know if I would ever have predicted that the way to make John feel like his own, you know, unique version of Superman is to say, mm-hmm. no, he is a Superman who's going to say, no, I'm not going to let you do this to these people. I'm not going to let you be a part of this or or let this happen. And the big thing here being that when he does make the choice to go and save these refugees whose boat is mm-hmm. sinking and he brings them to Metropolis, when the authorities try to handcuff them, John immediately introduces his heat vision and yeah. the guy's like, hey, this is the process. I mean, you know, I, I, I respect yeah. that you want us to help them and all that, but there's a process to this. And he's like, well, there's a process, sure, but you're not using restraints. If you put them on, right. I'm going to take them off and you can't stop me. Yeah. And that's something that Superman, traditionally, he would never, like, have that show of force with, like, local no. governments or authorities. He wouldn't... Whereas that, this was... And it, obviously, the intentions and everything that he means behind it is all very, like, mm-hmm. noble and all the rest of it. But he is fundamentally still sort of waving his dick and going, no, I will yeah, use my me. powers and I will stop yeah. you. Yeah. Well, and I feel like Clark would have done it in a different way, right? Whereas this is where I like... I like the idea of Tom Taylor basically saying, if Superman was written today, he'd be kind of closer to John. Because we kind of saw that in Morrison's action comics, right? Like in that run that was supposed to be a retelling of the Golden Age is that he was a person like he was a champion of the oppressed and he was a person of the common man. And like, there's a reason that his main villain was a, was a corporatist billionaire, you know, that was, you know, so just the idea that if, if Superman could do it again, he's kind of letting John know, like, just be, be yourself. And that's exactly what John's doing. Because I feel like Superman would try and, like, explain and, like, try and garner mm-hmm. sympathy from the guy and say, hey, do you really need yeah. the handcuffs? Like, there's no need for right. that. You know, right. he, would, he would give him a speech and it would inspire him to do the right thing. And right. having a character who's more direct, who, you know, basically having a Superman that says, let's stop pretending that I don't have power to, right. to do things. Let's not pretend that I shouldn't use my power to do things that I feel are right. Uh, and you have to accept that. I think that's an interesting tactic to take. Right. Uh, and it's something that maybe Taylor's going to like explore the conversations of and mm-hmm. what that means. There's, there's going to be a price for that. Right? Oh yeah, like, like how, that... How, how does the media and the world react to it? How does the villains react to it? How do regular people who may consider him menacing react to it if they right. do consider him menacing and a threat? Right. There's a, lot, there's a lot of potential avenues to explore there. Right. Um, and, and you have that, that whole idea of this, this show that he's watching called The Truth right? That's like this media, uh, like, I don't say alternative media because it's not, but it, but it is, it's not part of the mainstream. And it's, that's where John's getting the news about the, uh, about the refugees and the guy is wearing a mask he, himself. He is, uh, is masked and whatnot. And so I, I feel like there's a lesson in there too, right? Like not necessarily that this character is a bad guy, but maybe that John, you know, needs to think about this kind of stuff. I don't know. Yeah, that, there's a lot going on. It wouldn't surprise me if he does like step in without thinking at some point and actually make something mm-hmm. worse because of how direct he yeah. is with with the situation. Right. I mean, at least that this one is a bit easier to take in the mm-hmm. sense that okay, he saved a bunch of people's lives. Like that, that, there's no wrongdoing in this. There's no way to spin this. Right. The, the only thing being, of course, he's, he's made an enemy out of the, the president of uh, Gamora, I think was the name of the island. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, I, I think that's interesting in and of itself as well, is the idea that he's made a political villain because he did something to save people. 
Right. And it the the character's very Luther Luther esque Luther esque in looks, right? Bald. You know. Um so that that can't be a a uh a mistake or th- there's a reason why they're presenting him in this way. But yeah, it's it's very much like he made an enemy out of a dictator. Yeah, I mean, even the idea that, yeah, this dictatorship has a lot of propaganda saying their island's a paradise, yet why is there so many refugees Refugees. fleeing it? You know, like, what's going on there? Uh, Mm -hmm. So I don't necessarily trust this, because obviously he meets this guy who is, you know, who's got this YouTube show, whatever it is, and he turns out to be someone at his college who who Mm -hmm. he met earlier, and I don't necessarily trust them. I feel like there's maybe going to be another, you know, shooty drop here with this guy, Mm -hmm. but... uh, he does warn them that hey, you've probably made a bit of an enemy out of this uh, <laughs> about this Gamora yeah. president here. Well, again, you're talking about masks and whatnot, and the whole idea of him going mask off here. Yet this guy, when he's presenting the news, is wearing a full on mask and hiding his identity. Which I understand in the grand scheme of things, right? He's running this underground kind of news service. He wants to keep himself hidden, but there's there's got to be more layers to that that if you're being the truth why are you hiding yourself yeah uh obviously i think thematically you can talk about how well the hero of the story is john and he's the one who's brave enough to mm-hmm. like stand for what he believes in completely and utterly and like have no barriers between himself and the mm-hmm. world right uh whereas someone else maybe feels too afraid like you know by speaking about these right. things uh, and this is just, I mean, again, I'm kind of not trusting him, but that's just assuming he's on the up and up right, right now. Right. Uh, someone speaking out publicly about these things would potentially fear retaliation or fear what comes because they are speaking up about these serious subjects and what people might retaliate. So, like, there's, there's thematic ideas there with the idea of John, like, trying briefly to have a mask but ultimately mm-hmm. realizing that in today's world you can and you have to be forthright with these beliefs and opinions mm-hmm. because hiding anything just means that you're not like helping educate other people you're not spreading the ideas and and so on mm-hmm. and so on. there's a lot of stuff going on here i feel like there's a big kind of like i don't think i like this book yet as much like i think nightwings is a much better tom taylor book and you know there's mm-hmm. a lot of tom taylor books that have clicked with me but there's in a story way much quicker mm-hmm. but i think this feels very ambitious given all the mm-hmm. all the threads and all the ideas and I, I do like this more than issue one and this is a better issue than issue one mm-hmm. um well yeah because issue one felt like a prologue like i when when i finally got around to reading i'm like that that was good but that didn't feel like a complete story that mm. felt like the the table setting, um, whereas this it, it kind of did because it had the whole beginning, middle, and end of him trying to do this this new identity, him giving himself up, talking to his dad, and then dealing with the refugees. So it felt more complete here, but um, but no, it fits very in line with Suicide Squad and Nightwing in that like there's that that image that's been going around of Nightwing going like there's nothing cool about being a billionaire or I, I just butchered that but well there's nothing heroic about being a billionaire um and how that's making waves and that goes almost hand in hand here with what is going on in this island nation with this dictator guy yeah so, um it's 
No, I mean, obviously there's a lot of politics in this comic, and which, you know, certain audiences mm-hmm. are going to hate, but, <laughs> like, deal with it, basically. Exactly. Uh, these characters are supposed to inspire the best. There have always been characters that do that. Uh, and, you know, we, we've talked before about the, the weird hypocrisy of, like, people not accepting the fact that even in the 60s, the X-Men were clearly allegories for various things. So we don't have to get into that again, but clearly... Yeah. As comic books go forward, as superheroes go forward, this is always what they're supposed to kind of they're, be in some form. They're they're a cipher of the modern culture, right? When they're done right. Yeah, and and, 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 and this and this is a bit more on the nose than other examples, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this is still a far cry I, from the only the only time I've had a problem with any anything like this recently was as a just referencing real world events, which was just yeah. odd and stupid. But. Yeah. Yeah, I never like when they do that. I like when when the the comics make up a president versus trying to force in the current president because it just feels like you're in your own world, guys. Do what you will with it, you know. Like it doesn't have to be Lex Luthor as the president. It could be you know whoever. Um, but I I like that more than you know when you adapt real world things like here Taylor adapting a refugee crisis, but he didn't have to make it a real country. He made up his own. Which I've never even heard of this country in DC Comics. You know, it, it may be um, new because I I don't recognize right. it. But like it, it could have easily been you know, Santa Prisca or Corto Maltese somewhere that we've seen before. You know the but it's not. He's you know doing a, something new presumably. So but yeah no you you're a hundred percent right with that. I just it's fun just to look back and like I was talking to a friend like. I can't imagine Kevin Smith's uh, Green Arrow coming out now with some of the stuff that was, you know, because I just tried to read that. It couldn't get through a bunch of issues. But some of the decisions that he made for Oliver are stuff that are traditionally Oliver. He just they're coming out of in Kevin Smith's voice instead. And for the, the crowd that are going, oh, comics are too political nowadays. Like that was 20 years ago and it fits in right now still. So like. This is just comics at this point. So, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. always been comics. I think that's the, yeah. the silly part of it. Uh, so, yeah, really ambitious. I, I'm, I'm liking all the things this is poking at. Uh, I, I thought that the Finn Connor stuff was kind of hilarious. Uh, I got a good chuckle out of it. Uh, I love the conversation with Superman. And oh, the one thing we didn't mention is that Superman gave him uh, a suit that was actually made out of one of his old suits. Mm-hmm. Uh, so now that's what he's wearing. So it's not just the one yeah. they got from the Legion, which is nice, I guess. Right. Yeah. So. A little bit of Legion erasure, but that's okay. That version's fine. You can go away. <laughs> Long live the Legion. Yes. <laughs> uh, not not so long. You don't want them to live as long as you used to. That that Legion is dead. Long live the Legion, right? Like, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh <laughs> All right, so uh, what are you giving sort of Kal El? Uh, I'm giving this one a nine. Oh, uh, I would go eight. Okay. I think. Yeah, I would go eight. Um, still really like it. It's really good, and it's it's poking at so many big things. It's just not necessarily clicking quite as much in terms of big dramatic moments as some of the other, uh, like, like. I, I love the ideas and all, everything this is poking at, but the actual storytelling and say, like, you know, action detective, which we already discussed, 
like feel like they're so well crafted and like making me excited for like where the story's going. Whereas here I'm excited for the themes that it's poking at rather than being excited for the president of Gamora mm-hmm. himself because I don't really know him yet. It, like the right. you know so, uh, but that that's like a not like a huge deal. It's just like this is why it's not at that same level for me. But still really really great stuff. Uh, so that's uh, Superman, Son of Kal El. Uh, also I'll I'll take this time to point out uh, those uh, Robson Roca. Uh, tributes at the end of the issues this week. Yeah. Uh, which was nice to see. Um, I, I was still shocked when, when that happened, uh, you know, last month or however long ago. Time has no meaning anymore. But, um, yeah. So, that was just um, nice to see. Fun, fun fact, Gamora is a, um, it is a, a established DC. Oh, really? Place. Yeah. It first popped up in Death Blow number one in 1993. I'm um, so sorry, everyone, that I've not kept up on my Death yeah. Blow from the the. Uh, it's 90s. from the Wildstorm universe too, so that's that. Uh, well, no wonder I don't know it. It's from Wildstorm. Yeah, <laughs> but I think that's interesting considering what's going on with Grant Morrison and the Authority, with Superman mm. and the Authority, and folding Wildstorm concepts into the DC universe. Um, but it is in the Pacific Ocean. It's an outlaw nation, originally called Perugia. Um, I, I was because I was going yeah. to ask who the hell is Deathblow, but then you said Whale Storm, so I don't care anymore. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Uh, check me issue three. Brian Michael Bendis writing with Alex mm-hmm. Maliva on art, and I opted out. I, I you know, I was kind of down You're the last fine. issue, uh, basically because. I feel like it's not going to have an ending because it's just going to tie into more Bendis stuff, and I'm out on mm-hmm. sadly. Like, you know what? I was I was defending Bendis so much when he was joining DC because I've liked a lot of Bendis' work in the past, and I've liked some of his DC stuff, but it's been rough going recently. Uh, it was just easy to drop out, but Matt Matt still read this, so feel free. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you're absolutely right. Where it feels like he's just going to play into more Bendis stuff, and it kind of feels like we're past this all now. Like, we're in a post-Bendis DC now. Uh, even though he's still writing Justice League and maybe Naomi Season 2. Who knows at this point? Um, but the time... The time structure out of this is my biggest problem. Is that it keeps jumping back and forth between weeks ago and now. But the crux of the issue is that it's very important for Mark Spector to have Superman on his side because he believes that Superman agrees with them, but he disagrees with their, how they're going about it. So his plan is I, we got to get Superman on our side because whatever Superman does, the world will follow. And that's what it takes all these pages to kind of do. Um, And there's, there's a big, uh, you know, a big disagreement because he Superman shows up to Leviathan, former Markovia, to pull Talia out, and Talia has killed all of these, you know, Leviathan agents. Um, and and Mark Spector, it looks like he's not Mark Spector. That's that's uh, uh that, that's Moon Knight. Um, but uh, the former Manhunter who's running Leviathan. Um, I was like, yeah, the cost is too high, but this is the cost to, to do what we need to do. Um, and uh, you come to find out that when they kidnapped Lois, as Mark Shaw, by the way, as I'm going back through this, mm-hmm. um, 
he he had kidnapped Lois, and then um, they get a code silver, and they send uh, Lois back to the Hall of Justice, which isn't where they kidnapped her from. Because if you know from the last issue, she was on her dad's houseboat outside of Coast City. That call, yeah. So yeah, so she's able to put together that the only three pieces of technology Leviathan can't get their hands on are the where'd it go? Are the Hall of Justice computers, the Batcave, and the Fortress of Solitude. If they can get into there, then they'll have all global knowledge and they'll be able to finally execute their plan. So it's up to these the the detectives, you know, Bones, um, Trevor, Lois, Damien, the question, Arrow, and Manhunter to to stop them. And, you know, she's able to put that together. Uh, and now they kind of know what they're going to do because he's off his game now. Is that Shaw's been thrown off now by Superman. Um, and so, you know, they are talking about Talia with, with Damien and that, um, you know, she's like, you know, it's complicated, our relationship there. Um, but, you know, overly, you know, she is trustworthy. Um, come to find out that, that weeks ago, Shaw already got to, to Talia and that she's a mole within this group, but it looks like Damon Rose has sights on her, uh, now. So again, I don't know what Bendis is finding with this character at all. Like I know it's Lois's long lost brother in quotes, but still, um, seems counterintuitive after having Damien basically vouch for her um, about this, but um, Damien is going to trail her. So that, that's pretty interesting. Uh, but at the end, uh, King ends up going to Toy Man, which plays off of that tease that we had gotten in one of the super books. I forget which one exactly that um, he's going to have him create something. And he goes, is, is it time to reveal who you are? And, the King character goes, like, I was hoping to avoid that. So still big teases, but ultimately it feels like this is just going to build to nothing. The art's fantastic, of course, right? Mm-hmm. But the story is, you're, you're just like, yeah, it's very moody, it's very spy But at the end of the day, it feels like it's not going to build to anything. Um, again, I still think King is is Brian of Markovia, Geoforce, um, and he's trying to get his country back at the end of the day. Uh so if that's where this ends up, cool. If not, I still don't know what the big point was to kind of bring back Checkmate in this way that ultimately feels like a like it's not important. Which I'm say, I guess Checkmate's a fun concept. But I almost don't know if there's room for it in the current DCU. It felt, in, in it felt it way more be. exciting in the Lois Lane book by Rucker mm-hmm. than it Oh, you mean now. the character, character? You mean the guy that kind of put the... the Dossier together on Checkmate. I mean, that's how a fair it's point. supposed to be a take on global surveillance by superpowers. Uh, I mean, that and, and, that is a know. very fair point. But I, I just, yeah. yeah, I think the the other thing is Bendis has kind of lost trust that things are building to something because it just keeps mm-hmm. tying into the next thing he's doing, and that's kind of right. like really underwhelming, annoyingly. Well, like again, just put the name Checkmate on it, and it's just a, it feels so small. Like it feels like. Not that Checkmate needs to be this big government organization, right? 
but it feels almost like what the DEO has become over in Infinite Frontier. That feels more checkmate. It feels bigger. It feels like it's this it, check on. It also on... feels weirdly like because we're dealing with a lot of these characters in other books right now, because mm -hmm. we have the DEO that's in Infinite Frontier, mm -hmm. this just kind of feels like tacked on and not part of the world yeah. that's currently happening. Right. Well, and even even when it if it ties into the Justice League, what is like when is this taking place? Because we had Oliver meet Damon Rose, right, in Justice League. And and now we, we have this character kinda we had this whole cover last time for Checkmate, which is who is Damon Rose? We never really got an answer. Um and here he just kind of pops up and it's just like, well, again, is this just playing into Justice League? Because if that's the case, I I don't know if I care as much as if this is going to tell a self-contained story about what, what Checkmate is versus Leviathan. Um, so yeah, it just all feels like he came in swinging and he's now he's punched himself out. He's a sports term. Uh, and it's just almost not like, because again, I, I hate that where you say it feels like it's not for anything, which you should just be reading for the pleasure of reading. Mm -hmm. I just wish that I knew what this book wanted to be. Yeah, I, I want to make it clear that when I talk about a book feeling important, I'm not talking about it in the context of continuity or right. the context of the, the line. I'm talking about when you're reading it on its own, does it feel important to itself? I know that's right. like a weird and thing it, to say, but it does. Like when you read something that's well written, it feels like it matters when you're right. reading it. And, when and as it, much as I love all the characters involved here, and even the whole idea of Leviathan wanting there to be no secrets because that means if there's no secrets and everything's more secure, right? I like that concept. It just, I don't know if Bendis is executing it correctly. Not even correctly, effectively. And like, cause like I get that Shaw wants Superman on his side, but like taking over a country and running, like gunning out all of these other government agencies, is not a way to get Superman on your side. Right. Like, mm -hmm. so I, I don't know what the grand scheme is. And again, I like all these characters you know, especially like I love Lois Lane. We all know this. I just don't know like <laughs> where this is even going to end up. So yeah, I, it's it's, I think it's a mixture of things. I think it's a mixture of Bendis sort of letting us down more and more. I think it's a mm -hmm. mixture of it feeling more and more like it barely fits into continuity, which it shouldn't be a huge deal, but it does kind of add up. Like when it doesn't feel that important on its own, and then you know it's not going to have any ramifications in anything else because it's so separate from everything. It kind of right. all adds up to feeling just kind of eh. <laughs> so right here we are. Right. We're feeling eh. Mm -hmm. so. Yeah. So so with that, I mean, the art's still phenomenal. Like, it's eh. great. But, you know, so I'm, I'm going to give this a seven. Doesn't sound that harsh, but... <laughs> no, but I mean, all things considered, like, it, I mean, it's hard because it's still... It's not a bad read. I just don't... Yeah. I wouldn't recommend it to somebody that hasn't read the other Bendis stuff, right? Because it feels like a cog in the wheel. And uh, that that's where yeah, you're talking about it doesn't matter by itself. At the very least, you had to have read Leviathan. And even then, I feel like a lot of action comics kind of was needed mm -hmm. to understand that story. So, right? yeah, it's, it's a weird knock-on effect. Oh, well, there you go. Let's check, mate. Robin issue five, Joshua Williamson and Gleb Melnikov back on the art, and this is our mm -hmm. obviously the cliffhanger last issue was all the other Robins uh, showing up mm -hmm. to speak to Damien. We don't start with that though. We start 
with a, just a little follow-up to um, mm-hmm. Ravager. Rose. Yeah, waking mm-hmm. up from being killed, being pissed about it, and basically, no, nah, no, nah, everyone had to die once before the tournament could start, and you were the last one who hadn't died, so that's why you were killed. And they and just it, sort of... and so, But it was also because of who she was killed by. I want to know what's yes. up with Respawn. Like, there's well, something going on they're, there. They're teasing, because obviously she confronts yeah. Respawn. Uh, and then like, no, we're not allowed to fight yet until dawn. Uh, but then, of course, they question where the hell is Robin, and that's when we cut back to mm-hmm. uh, you know Nightwing, Tim, Red Hood, and Steph all there to confront him. And yeah. they they chase, they fight. Uh, I did kind of you know there's a lot of nice fun banter as this is all happening. Stuff like Steph saying Castle be jealous of the tournament, uh, uh-huh. which which again adds to the mystery of this tournament why they wouldn't invite cassandra kane mm-hmm. you know there's some sinister things going on on this island which it, I, i'm here for i love how again this book feels so pulpy when it gets to the island stuff when it's here with damien and the robins it feels very much like a gotham book yeah right? well, like, that, that was the thing I, I felt really reassured you know knowing that williamson's going to be writing batman because yeah. you you have it all feels kind of fun and light even though they're chasing him, because he's like, oh, it's probably yep. also had a good rooftop race. And, you know, they get that, and it feels like they shout that. Like, they're excited about chasing yep. each other on the roof. Yep. And, yeah, and they're kind of, like, throwing barbs at each other. You know, uh, Damien says, oh, we're better together. Is that why Steph and Tim are on a break? And kind of throws them at each other, and just little bits of like that. But, of course, it ends up with Nightwing and Damien. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, actually, no, hold on. There's, there's a good beat with Red Hood first, actually. Uh, so here's the thing, and I and I I want to say I want to hate Tom Taylor and I want to hate Williamson. Stop making me like Jason. <laughs> I don't like it. Stop it. I don't know what it is. Twenty twenty one, the year that Jason Todd somehow was redeemed in the eyes of this well, because, show. Again, we, we we always say there's there's not really bad characters, but bad takes on those characters. And up to this point, Jason Todd's kind of like this edge lord, murderous member of the Batman family. And here they've they've sanded off those rough edges and they're like yeah he's still like the black sheep of the family but he's still family and so here the way that Damien gets him off of his game i was not expecting yeah because he says okay so this is like the rundown of the robins you know grayson's mm-hmm. the most experienced yeah. um you know spoilers the bravest and like but you jason you're the most emotional and he just hugs him and it just it, it, it lets his guard down. And you know what? It actually kind of makes sense. When you think about him being a hothead and always just like flying off the handle, it does make sense that he's a bit emotional. And this is why I realized I don't like Jason Todd that much is because I see too much of myself in good versions of Jason Todd. <laughs> and the fact that he stops and hugs him and then Jason realizes, oh, I messed up. Yeah. He just got me. Yeah, he, like, he shocks him with a, you know, yeah. electrocuting thing. Uh, so he runs off, but Dick, of course, catches up with him, says, happy birthday. Uh, and he's like, wait, what? You're late. It's like, yeah, but you were hard to find. Here, just take it. Yeah. And he opens it, and it's a, it's a baton saying yeah. versus the world. And it turns out it came off one of the uh, the, the beams yeah, that the Flying Graysons used. And Alfred had done this for Dick uh, when he was younger. And he mm-hmm. says, I think you need this now because it's a reminder that you come from two different worlds. And... It's all the rest of it. Um, and this is where... And just, that, just like he's like, you know, we're, we're all Robins, right? All, everyone here. But we're different. You are my Robin. And oh, that you're, no, you're right skipping there. ahead. You're skipping ahead. Oh, because 
Is that that yet? No, because there's an emotional beat first where oh, when he brings this up, Damien says, mm-hmm. I was there, I saw, and this is him finally talking yeah. about Alfred's death. That's right. That's, 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 that comes that's first. Right. Uh, Shit. And... You know, he says, you know, death's always been a part of what we do. I see mm-hmm. a lot of it, but, you know, I never really felt it, not until I heard mm-hmm. the snap. <laughs> I was like, oh, no, it's not making me be upset about Alfred. Yeah. Um, and that, that's when it gets to my favorite part, uh, which is the, you know, like, we're all Robins, but you're different. You know, the rest of us, we were all Bruce's Robin, but you were my Robin. And he puts his hand in. Do you know what? If you want to hit me in the feels, reminding me yep. of Dick and Damien's time together as Batman and Robin in 2009 and 10 is one mm-hmm. way to do it. Uh, and he lets him go. Because he, he says, like, you know, Damien, no, stop, I'll catch up with you. Please don't mm-hmm. go. And he's like, what are you doing? He's like, no, please don't go. Wink. And he sort of lets, and so he runs off. And please then the, don't run. Yeah. And then yeah. the others show up and like, did you just let him go? He's like, well, the kid's fast. And I love that Steph just goes, oh, whatever. Like, she, like they know. Yeah. She knows exactly yeah. what he just did. Um, He's like, look, oh. we, need, we need to trust him. Right? We need to tell Batman that Damien has to go fight his own fights and that this mm-hmm. is like a rite of passage. We've all done this. We all had our period where we'd had to go through this kind of thing. Not not literally this tournament, obviously, but just like yeah. our own paths. So- so, so not just the you were my Robin. When you turn the page and he's got this big, Dick has a big smile on his face, and he goes, "You got this, boy wonder." Mm-hmm. And he's like, "Well, wait, he, Dick, you're you're sending him to a tournament where they're fighting to the death. I don't think you understand what you just did." <laughs> and I just love the juxtaposition there, right? They think like Dick just thinks, "Oh, this is just a Damien adventure. He has to go off and live it for himself." It's like, I don't think you understand what you just did. Guy and I just yeah I I love the handling of that the juggling of the 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 tone here. Yeah, um, no, really, really sentimental stuff. Uh, all this interaction that I mean, if nothing else, this was all reassuring that Williamson loves the whole Bat family and is going to mm-hmm. still treat them with some love. So, uh, so I read this after finding out that that Williamson's hanging over Batman, and I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. Gotham's still in good hands. Yeah, it right. definitely feels that way. Now, admittedly, mm-hmm. I don't think I've liked anything Williamson's written as much as Tiny that he's best yet, but, you know, mm-hmm. we'll see. We'll see what he does with Batman. I'm curious. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. But as long as he's treating the characters right, I'll at least not be mad at it, and that's always yeah. a nice plus. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. So, sure enough, we go back to the island, uh, and Connor Hawk's all like, yes, and the, 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 the guy from the League of Assassins is like, yes, or Shadows, sorry, League of Shadows. There's too many leagues of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he's like, yeah, she will, you will win now. Now that, that that stupid bird boy is gone, you will mm-hmm. win easily. Uh, and then that's when Damien shows up when uh, Ravager's there. And he's like, yeah, I was training. I'm here. Let's do this. I, I love that that page has Roz and Dick. That, you know, Damien has many father figures at this point now. And it's almost, it reminds me of all of Bruce's mentors that we go up to. Now these ones just happen to be like Batman names. Um, yeah, to explain it, uh, he is. to explain it when he when he, when he asked when they asked where he was, he says he was training, uh, and behind him uh, the arts got both Raz and, and Dick kind of mm-hmm. uh, sketch behind him. Um, yeah. So, no, really fun stuff. And then like the woman running the tournaments, like, all right, it's time to begin, and she's got this like special super secret book. Uh, yeah. On her. Um, and yeah, 
apparently she sent priests to exchange chemicals from the Lazarus pits with the League of Assassins mm-hmm. to get that book. She traded Lazarus juice <laughs> to get that book. Right. Uh, which makes me think that this whole tournament's about raising some demon or something. <laughs> oh, big time, because we get to the back, there's this big dragon-looking demon seal in the middle of the arena, right? Um, and then they say the demon was worshipped, was also lost. Now he witnesses your souls given up to him as sacrifice. Yeah. So it's almost as if Ra's al Ghul, right? He's always referred to as the head of the demon. Is this the actual demon? Right? Mm-hmm. Like, is I'm... this what he kind of based his persona on all those years ago before he became Ra's al Ghul? It like, makes some sense. I... Yeah. You know, and you know, I don't want to say I told you so, but I, you know, last issue I said mm-hmm. I don't know if you were here for the last issue actually, but no. uh, I said, you know what, like they're they're building this next issue, this one as the end of the first because I know that this issue is the end of the first trade, and I mm-hmm. said, you know what, that tournament's not starting until issue six because that's how you yeah. sell the second trade is that that's the actual mm-hmm. tournament, and sure enough, it ends with her saying fight, yeah, and that's it. You, so. you heard it in the Mortal Kombat voice too, right? Yep, oh, of course I did. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, and then it says next month, lots of fighting, which, you know, they've been jokey and witty about it, yeah. but good fun. Uh, I did I did appreciate, actually, um, when Damien gets back to the island, he's like, hey, Ravager, you ratted me out to Jason. So, I like mm-hmm. that that relationship yep. is still bubbling in the background, that connection's right. still there. And again, who put them together in Future State? It was Williamson, yeah. And who put them together originally? Tom Taylor. So they're they're building on each other. Mm-hmm. I, no, I like it. Like, yes, but you're right. Stuff. You're right. Taylor's a genius behind the pairing. You're right. I should give Taylor our Lord and Savior. We have to, but really, but that was super out of continuity, right? Future State's a little bit closer to it, so you know yeah. Williamson did play with that. But I mean, the first time we had it together that I can remember was Unkillables. It wasn't kill- so. Yeah, that's, that's that's where we because we we all had the same reaction of hey, that's actually a smart pairing. Yeah. Uh, so. That makes sense. Um, yeah, no. Uh, really solid issue. I think Robin has been a surprise of a book. And it's been up and down a little bit in terms of like just how great the issues are. I think like issue two and three could have probably been bundled together into one issue. Like issue three, I yeah, think. Not- fit, issue three really felt the stretch, I think, of, of that first. And maybe it was because yeah. they wanted to fill a trade before the tournament started. But I think this issue and issue one are both like really good, and yeah. uh, I'm into it. So it's been a fun I, story so far. Yeah, I liked Hobo Raz in issue four, mm-hmm. like just him out of the element because you're you're so used to see him so regal, but just Raz living in a hut on a neighboring island was not something I was expecting to like as much as I did. Like it, it gave it like a like a he he is this like almost a Yoda type. Uh, the, like, oh yeah, no, this dude was a badass. He just seems like a crazy hermit. Yeah, and, and Melnikov's are like, it really adds to the sense that the book's supposed to be a little playful, like more playful than say, like the Batman is. You know, even yeah. though it, it's going to have its emotional beats for Damien and the Bat family, but it's definitely got more of a fun vibe to it, and it's always had that. And the art really kind of mm-hmm. uh, goes along with that. The only critique I have really of the art in this is actually the layout on the. Uh, as much as I love the contents of the page. Uh, yeah. the, the rooftop race, that two-page layout, is that I thought the way the, the panels were laid out, it almost looked like it was meant to imply you were meant to start reading the, the panels on the right and sort of, like, snake back, and it's, you're not. Like, it's just left yeah. to right like normal. 
Now that you bring that up, you're right. Yeah, I, I just it just it, it comes up too high that that panel on the far right, and it makes it look like you're meant to like go to that first and sort of snake back around. We're, yeah, we're we're you're talking about where spoiler is. Yeah, but you're not like yeah. you just might start on the left like normal, but it just. Right. It's just a no, little right. bit. It's just not, it's not a big deal, but it's just that I, I was I was just I, I I questioned it for a second. Like, am I might go to the left well, or the right it's, here? It's peeking in because it's a bigger panel with her. Yeah, and I'm sure uh, Gleb did that to to show more expression here. You know, she's wearing the bottom mask, but still, I eat more of her profile. Um, but yeah, no, I 100 percent get what you're saying because it sticks out more. So yeah. it draws your eye there. Like you obviously you could have it peek out a bit and it wouldn't make have it, but it's it's peeking out so much that it feels like it's meant to draw your eye, and mm-hmm. so you know, uh, slight slight nitpick, but uh, fun issue. Matt, what are you giving Robin issue five? Uh, I'm giving this an eight point five. I'm gonna go. Mm, see, I want to just go to straight eight, but then the, the emotional beats with Dick and. Damien and bringing up Alfred is really, really good. That makes me also want to go higher, but I'm going to just stay to the 8. I'm just going to stay to the 8. I don't want to rate too many things 8.5 or higher this week. <laughs> Got to have a little bit of restraint. But uh, clearly I've done a good job of picking the books I want to read, though, because they're all rating nice and highly. And that, that's where I'm at. This might be my favorite week of books in a very long time. Just yeah. because of... Even with Checkmate in there, which, again, I kind of enjoyed. I just wish it was better. But with Robin and, and Superman and action... So, and the mm. tech, like, that, that's that's a good lead-off, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. Uh, so that's Robin, issue five. Superman 78, issue one. Uh, we'll round out our books this week. And this uh, is our, the third Superman book of the week. So it's a weird how they've all stacked up together. Uh, but this is Robert Vendetti writing with Wilfredo Torres on the on the art. Or Wilfredo, maybe? Is how you pronounce that? Uh, yeah. Maybe. I'm I'm not sure. Yeah, I'd say Wolfred of. I'm not sure. But uh so this is obviously set in the Superman movie world, uh much like Batman eighty nine was uh for its own mm-hmm. movie world. And it is the story of Brainiac in the context of the Christopher Reeve Superman world, mm-hmm. which is a very interesting prospect to to sink your teeth into. Big time. Um so yeah, I wasn't sure what to expect, and I think the, the funny thing, well, first of all, it starts off with a, a dedication page for Richard Donner, uh, yeah, which was a really nice thing to do, actually. Got me a little dusty, not gonna lie. Richard I mean, Donner, like, there's a few directors who really molded my taste as a child, mm-hmm. and I think Richard Donner is up there, between mm-hmm. Superman, The Goonies, and the Lethal Weapon movies, which I surely mm-hmm. shouldn't have been watching as a kid, but I was. <laughs> like, I mean, if you don't grow up idolizing Martin Riggs, are you really growing up? <laughs> I ate dog biscuits once because I watched him do it in the movie. That's that's right? Lethal Weapon three. He's trying to give up smoking and he starts eating dog yeah. biscuits. Yeah. And I was like, wait, you can eat dog biscuits? And then no, no you you can don't. No, no. I, my dad's like, you know, those are just cookies that they they made for the movie that look like dog biscuits. Yeah, they're not real dog biscuits. No. <laughs> But stupid, like, 10-year-old me, you know, anyways. Wait, you call um, that a dog biscuit? Yeah. But that doesn't track with how you guys use the word biscuit. This is insane. Why Why wouldn't you call that a dog cookie? I don't know. I mean, we call them cookies <laughs> for my dog, right? We go, oh, do you okay. want a cookie? But colloquially, 
they are a dog biscuit. That's we, what we, I have just found a kink in the stupid American dialect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> we no, call them right. dog biscuits because they're like biscuits, but for dogs. Right, right. <laughs> I, I understand that, and that makes a whole lot of sense. Um, because because to us, a, a biscuit is is different. It's a, it's a pillowy. You know, uh, I it's, like, it's like a yeah. pastry scone or something for yeah, gravy. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. You know, um, cover it with gravy and it's delicious. Alright, uh, so but um, I okay, just a weird cultural thing that I've just there's there's a hypocrisy. No, you're, in... you're right, but yeah, once I, because of Lethal Weapon three, which I forgot it was Lethal Weapon three, but because of that, I did eat dog biscuits one summer, and I don't recommend it. Don't do that. Mm. So, uh, anyways, th- this book, um, the yeah, so... thing, I, I was not. Ex- I don't know why I wasn't expecting it because, of course, they would put a dedication page mm-hmm. to the man that directed the original movie who recently passed away. Um, but, but yeah. So starting off on on a high note. Yeah. Uh, so there's just a little bit of the the end of the Krypton segment again, mostly just sort of showing what we see in the movie. But of course, there's a the little tease at the end that something else is happening. It looks like. It looks like we're getting a bottled say, uh, because there's like glass coming up over, and like Jorel's like something's happening. This isn't right. Uh, but then we see Krypton explode, and it's kind of uh, as expected. But we see the eyes of Brainiac as if he's watching. Uh, this mm-hmm. all play out. Uh, but that's when we go to, you know, I don't, I don't want to say modern day. It may still technically be the seventies because it's, it's Superman seventy eight after it, all. It seems very looking at the fashion. It's yeah. very, very seventies. So I mean, the girl on roller skates. Right there to the left of Clark. Yeah, yeah. Uh, right of Clark. But present day in the context of, like, the story. Uh, right. Because obviously that was a flashback. Uh, right. So so Clark is, like, meets him with Lois. And I will say, it does a decent job of getting their voices right. It does mm-hmm. sound like Margot Kiddo's Lois. I was hearing mm-hmm. her voice. Uh, I, I felt the same with Perry. I was hearing the uh, the Perry White from the movie uh, later mm-hmm. on when we hear his dialogue, or see his dialogue. Um, and there's a fun bit where he helps the, the police catch a purse snatcher. Uh, and this is what I was talking about on on uh, from action. Superman's uh, heat vision here, and you know, two little red lines, completely different than what we saw from Fala in action, which I love. Oh, of course. You yeah. know, this is what we're used to with heat vision, and I love that the dude's shoes catch on fire. Like he gets to put him out in a puddle. Yeah. Like, again, this is very Christopher Reeve Superman. Yeah, honestly, I mean, if there's a, if there's a critique, perhaps, in terms of, like, maybe the storytelling here, is that it maybe is being a little too, like, like these first scenes with Lois and then Perry, mm-hmm. they kind of feel like they are just, like, slightly reworded versions of scenes that were in the movie, and in the sense yeah. that it's still just Clark being a bit too happy and, like, goofy, mm-hmm. and Lois saying, you gotta stick up for yourself, and then Perry saying that Clark, because he's a great speller, but he has to... <laughs> yeah, which, go find the story. I love that that, that keeps, uh, you know, because Venditti, one of my favorite writers at DC, keeping the Lois can't spell uh, things properly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that he says that Clark spells things better than the dictionary. Um, you know, but that doesn't make a good reporter. You got to get out there and get your hands dirty. And yeah. like, I love that. But just the subtext there that, you know, Lois, well, not a best speller, is is she goes out there and she'll get her hands dirty. Um, also, the juxtaposition here of the Brainiac Trodes in the world of the 78 Superman is just weird. Because these are these look like ones from the regular comics. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and they almost don't match the aesthetic. 
And I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, because basically what happens during this scene is that uh, Brainiac drone falls down to Earth, makes a big crash landing, Clark runs off, um, and Superman, of course, and you know what, I'll give them credit, like, to the, I almost feel, like, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not accusing the artist of anything here, but, yeah. like, the panel of the shirt ripping open, right, is mm-hmm. so accurate <laughs> to the movie's moment where he does that, that... Mm-hmm. Obviously, he was referencing it, but it wouldn't surprise me if he had actually just printed out the the, the frame and just traced it because it looks so matching. Yeah, if you look behind me, the the panel of him flying, I have hanging up right here. Like, and it almost matches the dynamics perfectly. So I would not be surprised if those were not, you know, I don't want to say traced because I don't want to accuse anybody of tracing. Just for everyone everyone listening, I just want to point out that Matt was cruel enough there to tease us what it would sound like if he was at the correct distance from his microphone when he leaned in. So he sounded better for a brief moment in time, but refuses! But I have, but I have, but I have poor posture, so until I get an arm uh, to put in front of my face, this, this is what we sound like. Oh my God. So you, want me to, you want me to lean in like this? And be this close to the screen? It sounds better! Huh? That's where you're supposed to be from the mic. <laughs> anyway, um... No, just the, the 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 shirt rip open and then him flying. Like that panel is very familiar to me because I've had a picture of Christopher Reeve yeah. in my office like that. That when I bought the I have a an original poster of Superman two that I got at a at a we had this weird poster store in downtown Henderson. Um, didn't last very long, but I have an original run Superman two poster that has the Twin Towers on it. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, when I bought that, they gave me free Christopher Reeve picture i guess they were trying to get rid of um that has been in my office ever since so well and uh, for the record i'm not complaining here like i I get why in your first issue as much as i think mm -hmm. maybe some of the conversations with the characters are a bit too much just redoing some movie scenes as much as i do think the voices are really accurate uh i do think having this moment where he rips the shirt open having that be just one-to-one what was in the movie actually does make a lot of sense to me is like hey hey, this is really the christopher reeve superman You know, yeah. you see him flying, and it, it looks like his face. Like, I don't think they nail all the faces, but it does look like Christopher Reeve Superman. It's it's close enough, and that's what I like. Like, it's it's kind of what we say about Gary Frank, where, mm-hmm. you know, he looks like the Christopher Reeve Superman. Um, and here, it's like, well, yeah, it's supposed to be, but it's also a comic book version of that. So, you know, because um, even Lois kind of looks like Margot Kidder, but not really. Like yeah, it's, 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 you know, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, so Superman fights the Brainiac drone, a lot of action, flying through windows, yeah. all that sort of stuff. Um, eventually, Superman's able to punch him, says nice to meet mm-hmm. you, as he knocks off his head. And mm-hmm. as the thing's like sort of like turning off, uh, I don't, don't want to say dying per se, because it's a robot, uh, says, yeah, right. sending data to Mothership, alerting Brainiac, and Superman's like, what's a Brainiac? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Uh, so we cut to Brainiac's like base ship, uh, where he's got another bottled city he's put into his collection, and it's basically just him saying, "Wait, there's a Kryptonian. A Kryptonian survived. This unbalance must be fixed. I'm yep. coming to Earth." Uh, and that's getting a cliffhanger. Uh, yep. So really simple. It's just kind of you know the first signs of Brainiac arriving and teasing that that's about to happen. Mm-hmm. Um. I'll say I, I like this a bit better than the Batman 89 story. Yeah. I would still say that it doesn't feel... Like, I think this is very pleasant 
and it's a nice read. Uh, the art's Good. nice. It's, yeah, it's not amazing. Yeah. It's, it's not like, you know, jaw-dropping or anything. It's just nice. But I, I wouldn't say the story is like... It still just kind of feels like, oh, we're just doing kind of the, the basic beats of, of Brainiacs coming to Earth, as opposed to, like, I don't know. I, I don't know what I was expecting, but it, it kind of feels like it is just like a cheap nostalgia pop, is it, rather than feeling like it's doing anything super interesting with it. Yeah, I mean, I do feel like this is the Brainiac had Brainiac showed up in that universe instead of getting Nuclear Man, right? Like, <laughs> well, this is what it looks like. Um, however, I... I think I just might want to wait to pick this up in a trade and read it as one solid piece, you know? It, it didn't I feel just... super fulfilling as an issue, yeah. It felt... No. Because most of it was the fight with the Brainiac drone, and I, I don't yeah. know if the art was good enough to make it feel like that was worth the yeah the whole chapter, yeah. as it was. But... So, it felt like we got a, like, we were watching something on TV, and then it went to commercial, and now mm -hmm. I, I've, you know, I've switched the channel, and... I have to wait a month till I can turn it back. So I might, I'm probably, as of right now, probably just going to wait for I think, these. Despite having a name, because I think, you know, Venditti's a big enough name yeah. that it doesn't feel like just any old writer's been thrown on it, but right. it still kind of feels like a weird offshoot license book than it does, like, something. Yeah. That, you know, and it's not to say that it has to be in continuity. Again, I feel like people might make that mistake when I say things like that. I just mean, like, Black Label and out of continuity, book, out of continuity books sometimes feel like the most prestigious and must-read things that there is. This doesn't feel right. much-read to me. This just kind of feels like, I mean, ah, it's, you know, th this is equal to, like, Batman Beyond, right, when that was ongoing. It's like, oh, this is nice mm -hmm. and fine for fans of this, the show, but it, it doesn't feel right. like something I need to be paying attention right. to all that much. Right. Like, I can tell that, that Venditti really loves that movie, right? Like, just to be able to write these scenes, I'm sure he was stoked on it. Mm -hmm. It, you know, and that, that comes through as you're reading it. Again, though, it, like you said, a nostalgia pop, that's exactly what this is. You know, it's, it's the equivalent to like a tie-in novel to a movie where mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. exists for people to get more out of like those characters or more of those versions of those characters, but like only the hardcores of the hardcores really care enough yeah. to really keep up with them. Like you know, like I don't know if Connor reads Doctor Who novels, for example, so he can get more of the tenth and ninth and whatever. He doctors. might though. He might because he's you know he's he's a loser. Let's be honest. But it, yeah, like. I mean... <laughs> Uh, it's fun when he's not here we can just make fun of him uh, but like you know that's kind of what this does to me where like I, I'm not a, typically a big fan of tie-in stuff it, it, it tends to be special cases where I care about that sort of thing and despite the fact that obviously it's a comic book and Superman comes from comics this still feels like a tie-in to the movie rather than an actual comic book that feels worth reading on its own right so but it's not bad it's perfectly fine it's perfectly pleasant but nothing special yeah and and it sounds like you like this a bit more than the Batman eighty nine, which oh, a bit more, yeah. Which which tells me I think you like Superman seventy eight a whole lot more than Batman eighty nine. Oh, I definitely like Superman seventy eight a lot yeah, more than Batman eighty nine. So I, I'm not surprised. So which means I feel these are hitting their niche where they should be. So that's uh, at least they're they're executing that. I feel. I think Batman had a lot of potential. The idea of doing Billy D's version of Harvey turning into a face like there's so much potential in that, but yeah. I don't know. It's still Batman 89, which I... There's a thing on the internet that I'm getting a little bit tired of, and it's these younger generations being like, oh, that thing that everyone's crapped on for years, it's actually good. And it's like, well, no, like, you can like Batman and Robin, right? But that movie is very flawed, and we gotta talk about the flaws and what doesn't work, and just because you like it is not, that a, it's not enough to call it good. 
Um, no, it's not good. But but I will maintain this. I think there was a lot more. I I think a bad movie like Batman and Robin is a lot more interesting and potentially entertaining to look at than a lot of more bland bad movies that you get today where they're just not that good. <laughs> no, true. But my my point is, I've seen this with Attack of the Clones as well, and it's like, oh. guys, <laughs> like, like, look, I get it. You grew up watching this. That's good. That movie's I'm garbage. glad that you like it. But let's not pretend like it's an actual hidden gem of a movie because that trash. movie is problems. It's, you know, it's just it's straight like, up trash. There's there's no chemistry with the the romance, and yeah. the romance itself is problematic in yeah. many ways. And I, and I know I'm saying this as someone that defended Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, and and to a lesser extent, The Lost World. But I we like I will talk about those are flawed movies, and I understand people not liking them. But I'm not also going to pretend like they are the best parts of that, you know, series. I, I know uh, Rich Evans from Red Letter Media loves to say that Attack of the Clones, relative to its budget, is the worst movie ever made. Uh, and I'd have to really think about if I agree with that, but he's got a point. <laughs> relative to its budget. Because obviously you compare it to the rumor Birdemic, yeah, okay, but like those well, are yeah, tiny, yeah. right? So, yeah. I, I don't know, there's an argument. Yeah, but I'm just saying, like, so... To, to see like the, these like as you would call them nostalgia pops with Batman eighty nine to tie this all back together hmm. Superman seventy eight these aren't the same as those like these are like the Tim Burton Batman movie is fine for a Batman movie of eighty nine and I mean Superman seventy eight is a classic like that's you know so so I again I get why they are doing these however you know I don't know if they're monthly I almost rather see these as OGNs. I mean, the limited then, series, they're this, well, I think they are. Yeah. Yeah. Because it says one of six on it. Uh, okay. Yeah. You know? And and I might buy all in singles because it's Superman and I'm a mark. You know? Like, mm-hmm. that's what I do. But, you know, I might not just read them all until I have them all. You know? And I might want it for my shelf. Because, again, I do like the art enough. But... Luckily, uh, there's so many new books starting soon that it's okay that this wasn't a knock out the park. True. Because uh, there's a lot of things starting in the next couple of months. Um, Bay, what are you rating Superman seventy eight issue one? Um, I'm gonna give this a, a seven point five. Yeah, I'll say six point five. It's kind of, mm-hmm. it's fine. It's fine. It's not. I wouldn't quite call it good because I don't think it's necessary. I wouldn't recommend it that much. Yeah, uh, there'd be a lot of caveats. People talking about it either. Yeah, like over this week. So I heard a lot more about Batman eighty nine. Then I did Superman 78. Mm. So. Cool. All right. Well, that'll take us out of the last part of the show where we pick our favorite stuff of the week. Favorite mm-hmm. panel slash moment, favorite cover, favorite art, and top five books. And I read exactly five books, so I'll just be ranking all five of <laughs> them. Uh, so, very cool. You know, I'm taking it easy this month because I know that it's going to get busier in the coming uh, with lots of stuff starting, so... Um, but yeah, let's uh, start off then with panel slash moment, Matt. What are you having? Oh man, so I didn't even think about this like I usually do. Uh, there's a couple from uh, Superman, Son of Kal-El, uh, that like Superman giving him the key to the Fortress of Solitude is a real good moment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, him him showing up to save the refugees with the boats a good moment. Um, but I think I'm going to swerve here and pull from Robin and and Dick telling him, go get him, Boy Wonder. That line, for whatever reason, hit me right in the heartlight. 
So I'm gonna go with that. Yeah, um, you know, it's tempting to do the you know you were my Robin, uh, moment from from that because that's really really great. Uh, action has the the wall of ice, all that stuff. But I, I think the moment that stuck out to me the most, the most visual that I just got a really gut reaction out of, was Batman's uh parasite face. That first time we mm. see him. That's a good one. Uh, so you know, just unlock the mood and the art and the the impact of that moment. Mm. I, I'm going to go with that rather than the sentimental stuff. Because I went, because I went super sentimental with Nightwing last time. Because you know, that right. was that was last week. But uh, so I'll go with more of a gut punch, raw, like just great, like moody art and horrific imagery. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's what I'm going with this week. Um, all right, cover. Um, there's a few. There's actually quite a few nice covers. Uh, mm-hmm. I will say the variant for action is quite pretty. Uh, mm-hmm. really, really good stuff. Um. But I'm actually going to go with the the variant for Superman seventy eight, uh, which is it's kind of that that classic Superman posing on the the gargoyle, kind of the hush Jim Lee image, but with this mm-hmm. you know obviously Christopher Reeve Superman. Um, it's just a really nice image, really nice piece of art. Oh yeah, that is a good one. Yeah, I'm going to go with that. Uh, there's a few other ones uh, I like. There's, there's a Bahamut Detective variant, which is nice enough, and there's mm-hmm. you know other ones that are good. Like the main cover for Detective and and Robin were both solid but yeah so what were you picking matt so um i really like the the variant for action i also want to put out the variant for superman which has the super family on there well the the, the main family of superman lois john and crypto it looks real good um but i, I think i'm just a real big fan of the superman uh son of kal main cover too mm. uh it's got john the white background over you know what looks like chaos making the superman s uh Really drawn to that one, so I'm gonna go with that one. Oh, uh, all right, best start of the week, Matt. Uh, a lot. Of, I mean, it'd be easy to say checkmate, but since <laughs> that book is, yeah, you know, I'm gonna go with tech. Uh, with with Bogdanovich. Yeah, I think uh, I have to just quickly jump in and say tech as well. Uh, it, it was yeah. by far the one that stood out to me the most. Uh, there was good. Well, art, it not... was a close number two to that because I do love mm. Gleb. Uh, um, th- there was a lot of pretty solid art this week, but mm-hmm. Detective, I think, was head and shoulders above everything else just for being yeah. completely amazing uh, mm-hmm. throughout. So, yeah, I'll give it that to All right, Matt, rank your, your five. All right. Number one is Superman, Seneca L. Number two is Robin. Number three is Detective. Number four is Action. And number five is Superman 78. All right, for me, number one is Detective. Number two is action number three is or did i put it's funny actually that we're doing this is john and damien books that i'm deciding between the uh i know right uh so uh, yeah i'll probably put number three as son of kal because the big ideas but it was it was hard to decide between those two then robin at number four and then a kind of distant fifth with uh superman 78 so there you go. Uh, that is that. I will tell you what is coming next week. It is a, a, the fifth week because uh, the last day of the month falls on a Tuesday because DC released the books on Tuesdays now. Uh, as a fifth week month. So we have Infinite Frontier issue 5, which I was wondering where it was this week because it's been every two weeks. Yeah, me too. Uh, but obviously because I've got the extra week this month, that's why they've, they've pushed yeah. it, which is nice, honestly. Nice to spread them out a little bit. Uh, so we got Infinite Frontier issue 5. There's a Batman Superman 2021 annual. Uh, Wonder Girl issue 3 is next week. We got Harley Quinn 2021 annual. 
Uh, we got Batman Fear State Alpha issue one, so that's kind of your big kicking off the uh, Fear State stuff uh, mm-hmm. in Batman. So that's a nice little event starter to get us going with. We got Teen Titans Academy issue six. Uh, we have what will take up the bulk of the runtime next week, which is Aquaman, the 80th anniversary, 100-page, super spectacular. And then there's also a Midnight or 2021 annual as well. So, uh, you know what? Best, see these fifth weeks? Like, see, see when they bring out these 100-pagers? The fifth mm-hmm. week where there's only a few books? Perfect. Is the right. perfect time for us to give it a chance. Right. Absolutely perfect. So, uh, there you go. So, yeah, hopes a shorter list, but some. I'm, I'm really looking forward to Infinite Frontier, Alpha St- Fear State Alpha and Wonder Girl. Like, I'm looking forward to all my books next week, so it's not a lot of them. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to them, so it's good. Try, trying to see what some of the stories are in uh, the Aquaman one, but I don't see them listed. I just see a lot of the cover artists, that they have all the variants. Mm. Uh, and not so much creative teams. So, we'll see. It's it's going to be a, a surprise. <laughs> Yeah, I open up that comicology. I mean, if you go back to the solicit, yeah. I'm sure you can see them. But yeah, the the League of Comic yeah. Geeks page only has all the artists listed for some reason. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah. yeah, cool. Uh, so there you go. Uh, that about does it. Uh, I will tell you to like, subscribe, and ding the bell for notifications on YouTube if you want to support the show because all those things do help a lot. As does rating the podcast five stars with a review on your iTunes, your podcast addict, or wherever else you want to do it. Uh, all, all of that does help a lot. Uh, I will thank our Patreon producers for the month. Uh, once I get that list up, there it is. <laughs> thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Short, Bordnow, Al Treisman, Christopher Moy, David Brown, and Stanley. Excelsior! Not Stanley. Stanley. <laughs> so, thank you to all all of them. Of course, that is one of the higher tiers at Patreon. Patreon.com slash TV. Or you can go and support us for as little as one dollar per month. At the five dollar tier, you get early access to the show by a day. So if you want to go and have a look and get it when it's uh, ready and out the oven, fresh as quickly as possible on a Saturday, uh, go and have a look and see if you're interested in supporting us that way and help keep all the content coming. Uh, otherwise, I would tell you about the Twitter at DC Comics Podcast, uh, where you can follow and you can occasionally tweet us things, ask us questions, or We'll retweet out news or just give you updates and things if there's updates to be given. Uh, but go and have a look and uh, have a look at that too. So there you go. Is that all my plugging? I think that's all the plugging that I need to do. I, b- I believe so. I think that's everything. Follow, follow Connor and bother him. <laughs> you know? uh, I guess the other thing to plug, I suppose, separately would be the other YouTube channels. Uh, Mail Fuzz TV and Mail Fuzz Movies for TV reviews and movie podcasts. Uh, which you can find myself on with uh, other folk. Occasionally Matt or Connor will dip onto one of those, uh, mm-hmm. but uh, you'll get a lot of uh, horror and sci-fi stuff on the movie stuff and whatnot. So uh, go and have a look uh, at all those other things if you can't, if you just don't get quite enough of me <laughs> on this show. Uh, you got more options uh, to... If you're a masochist, sure. <laughs> uh, I mean, on uh, the ASD Atomic Cinema Experiment, we just had a movie called Synchronic starring Anthony Mackie, which was an interesting little movie. So, mm. yeah. But that is uh, that is us. That is episode 268. No, 258. 268? I have no idea. I don't pay attention to numbers. What number are we on? I'm just double checking. We're on 268. Yes, okay. Just, just keep it track. Shambles. Just keep it track. Um, we should probably have a shirt that says shambles on it. Uh-huh. With orange. 
because it's Connor's blood Connor. more than anything. Uh, but yeah, there you go. That is he, us. He is a human equivalent of being in shambles, so. He, no, he is. I look at his face and I think, shambles. Yep. <laughs> that guy. Thank you very much for joining us once again. Uh, it has been a pleasure. This is our DC Comics podcast. It's been Coach the Multiverse. Keep reading DC Comics. And remember to never get lost in the Speed Force. Peacemaker. Thank you.